What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Ben, here to introduce this rip of Rabbit Hole Recap. Excuse me. I have to burp. Excuse me. Great rip. Over two hours. A lot of China my mining migration talk. A lot of talk about privacy. A lot of talk about security. A lot of good talk. A lot of good talk, freaks. Hope you guys enjoy it. This rip was brought to you by good friends at the motherfucking Cash Cash up, selling you stack sets, send sets, receive sets, sell sets. If you so please, we're saying sets, sats, 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 because sats are the standards. 100 million sats in one whole Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a fraction of Bitcoin. You can stack whole sats instead. And the cash app makes it very easy. Very easy. You can DCA dollar cost average into sats. Basically set it and forget it. You can buy daily, weekly, bi-weekly. Set a set amount. 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 500 bucks, 2 bucks. Five bucks, whatever it may be, set it and forget it. You'll start stacking in the background without even thinking about it. On top of that, Cash App can be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers. You can get your paychecks direct deposited into the app. They have their Boost card accepted anywhere. Visa is accepted. You can personalize that. They have their Boost program, which gets you cash back or sometimes sats back at part partner merchants. They're doing, they're doing the damn thing over at Cash App. If you haven't downloaded it yet, make sure you use the code StackingSats. That's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Owls Lacrosse. This rip was also brought to you by our very, very good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here building financial services for Bitcoiners, with Bitcoiners in mind, leveraging Bitcoin's native properties. And nothing drives home that ethos, that goal, that, that striving factor of the Unchained team than their Vault product. And that's what we're here to talk about today is their White Glove Concierge service that's going to take you from zero Bitcoin to having a multi-sig Vault in which you hold two of three keys and Unchained holds one with a thousand cuck bucks worth of stats in it. All right, this is their white glove concierge service. You freaks are gonna get $50 off when you sell them, tell them the TFTC sent you. And the way it works is again, it's about their multi-sig vault program. It's a two or three multi-sig. You hold two keys, Unchained holds one. You can always move your UTXOs out of the multi-sig vault by yourself without needing any help from Unchained, which is the third party in this case. However, Unchained does have that one key. If you are in a pinch and you only have one of your keys, they could be that two in the two or three signature uh, to, to move your UTXOs. And they're basically using this white glove service to get you as comfortable as possible with this. So it comes with multiple video conferences where the concierge team is going to get you comfortable with multi-sig in general with their Volt product, specifically how it works. Uh, they're going to get you hardware wallets. They're going to send you a couple hardware wallets to spin up private public key pairs, uh, get you comfortable with securing that seed phrase. And then you're going to set up your multi-sig vault where, again, you hold two or three keys. They're going to make sure that you have the derivation pass uh, documented correctly and you have everything backed up correctly. And then once you're completely comfortable, uh, as you should be after a concierge service, they're going to dump a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats into your multi-sig vault. So you're going to go from zero to having hardware wallets and a multi-sig vault with a thousand cuck bucks in it in no time. Again, tell them TFTC sent you. Uh, we're going to link to this particular uh, deal in the show notes, uh, but you should check out everything Unchained's doing. Go to www.unchained-capital.com. Check out their blog. Check out their lending platform. Check out everything they're doing. Incredible Bitcoiners. 
uh, and their team's expanding. If you're an engineer, you're looking to hire engineers, um, go check them out. Breathe, Marty. Breathe. Breathe. This trip was also brought to you by good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle. They're another team leveraging Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties to bring you an incredible product. And that product is Lend at Hoddle Hoddle, which is a new non-custodial Bitcoin-backed lending platform, which allows peer-to-peer lending and borrowing between users globally, anonymously, and on your own terms. No KYC, no AML, non-custodial. The way this works is you put your Bitcoin in a multi-sig escrow account as collateral and you get stable coins as liquidity the way the multi-sig works is you hold one key your counterparty holds one key hodl hodl holds the third key the benefit here that you holding one key uh, ensures that you have visibility into the escrow account throughout the duration of your loan when you're putting your bitcoin up as collateral to get stablecoin liquidity you are going to know that it's not being rehypothecated and relent out so that at the end of the, the loan duration, when you've paid everything off, you're going to get your sats back and you, you have visibility into that the whole time of the loan. So use your Bitcoin as collateral. Uh, you don't need to entrust somebody with your funds. Your collateral, again, always remains locked in that escrow and you control one of the keys to it. If you have stable coins and you want to get some yield on that, you can enter the other side of that, that order book. You put the stable coins up to be lent out and the Bitcoiners looking for liquidity are going to pay you interest on that stablecoin loan that you're offering. So create your own offers and set your own terms on lend.hodlhodl.com. It's lend.hodlhodl.com. Woo! Breathe. Breathe, Marty. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains. Brains OS Plus. That's what we're here to shield today. The Brains team tells me that Slush Pool update is planned for July. It's coming. It's July 1st right now. Could be here tomorrow. Could be here two weeks from now. Could be here four weeks from now. We shall see. They're just triple and quadruple checking everything in the simulations to make sure it's a silky smooth transition when the update goes live. Meanwhile, the latest Brains OS Plus firmware update includes full support for the Antminer S17e and T17e as well as some specific significant improvements to the auto tuning for all x17 devices and it's available now at brains.com slash os slash plus that's brains v-r-a-i-i-n-s dot com slash os slash plus brains os plus is compatible with any mining pool so you don't need to mine to slush pool to use the firmware very important uh detail there you can use brains os plus and point your hash at a mining pool that is not slush pool but if you do mine with slush pool you're going to get zero percent pool fees since network hash rate is at one-year lows due to the China crackdown, now is a great time for miners to juice up their ASICs with auto-tuning firmware and stack even more sats. For those that don't know how it works, it mostly comes down to the silicon on the hashing chips. There are small variations in the silicon quality for every chip in an ASIC. Typically, stock firmwares that come with the machines treat the entire device as a uniform unit, sending the same frequencies and voltages through the hashboards. Brains OS Plus boost performance by experimenting with different frequencies and voltages on each individual chip to learn which chips are higher quality than others then it calibrates to send more work to higher quality chips and less work to lower quality ones the end result of this per chip tuning is more hash and thus more sats per watt of power consumed currently supported devices are the antminer s9 s9i s9j as well as the s17 s17 plus s17 pro t17 t17 plus and the ones just added above, the S17E and T17E. 
Next up are What's Miners, of course. Let's go. <laughs> Along with the S19s from Bitmain. Stay tuned, TM, for more updates on the firmware and slush pool and check out insights.brains.com for content, stats, charts, and mining profitability tools to stay on top of everything happening in the mining industry. That's insights, I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S dot B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. Go check it out. Enjoy this rip. Enjoy your life. Enjoy it, freaks. I love all y'all. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Oh, we're recording now. Now it's time to go into the live studio. Well, no, that's not what I wanted to do. You freaks at home are getting um, are getting an ad lib here. Before we go live on other platforms. Marty's trying to figure out the streaming now. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. What a week. Time to be alive. Be back in a sec. Oh, Matt's gone. Matt's leaving me. All right, hitting the live. Bam. Boom. We're live. We're recording. There what is it? Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Recap. July 1st. It's July, Matthew. What Happy the July. Hell? Summer's flying by. Oh, are you drinking a, a high noon as well? No, Montauk Summer. Oh, good beer. That's a good beer. Like a true Long Island man. Oh, he's pouring it in a cup even. Treating that beer with some goddamn respect. Woo! What a week, Matt. Hash rate still falling off the network. Are you in belief that there is a great migration out of China now? Um, I actually have a tweet from March, I think, where I was like, uh, Chinese, uh, uh, Chinese mining restriction news is bullshit, is fake news unless we get the, the largest difficulty adjustment in uh, history. And that's what we're on, on track to get tomorrow. Yeah. So um, in terms of what you'd expect to see in terms of verifiable evidence that shit's going down in China, this is exactly what you'd see. Um, I don't know if I'm I'm sold on great migration yet. Uh, this is also what you would see if there was a state, you know, a, a Chinese state attack on Bitcoin. It Wait. would look exactly the same as what we're watching right now. You got to listen to my episode with Leo Zhang. I already listened to the whole thing, Marty. Of course I did. I did my homework. You would say that uh, the, the, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. I'm not saying it's a high probability thing, but I'm saying in the in the world of Bitcoin, uh, you should assume worst case scenarios. And this is exactly how a state level attack would look. Um, and as a result, people should be taking precautions in in terms of 
uh, more confirmations. If there's going to be an attack, it would be after the difficulty adjustment just downward. Um, and then the attack would either look twofold. They would either look like a deep reorg to try and just, you know, reorg the chain deep to just reduce confidence in Bitcoin um, or do like a, a constant tip reorg to basically denial of service Bitcoin. Um, in either case, this type of attack would be super fucking expensive to pull off um, because you'd basically be pulling hash from the network for the last six weeks, which is what we've been seeing. Um, and the only actor really that would ever be in that position would be the Chinese government because they have, you know, billions, maybe trillions on the line uh, to get their centralized digital yuan in, into play. Um, so they actually have the means and the incentive to fucking do it. And if we get through this period and the, there's actually a great mining migration, then we sit in an extremely bullish, probably the most bullish situation for Bitcoin ever. But we just haven't gotten to that point yet, right? I because once we get past that threshold area, then there'll probably never be another country that's in that position again. Yeah, I think we'll get there. I don't think... Leo described on the episode. If you have freaks haven't listened to it yet, go listen to it. I got another one dropping with Edward Evenson from Brains and Slush Pool tomorrow as well, talking about the same subject, but we hit on different aspects of the Great Migration, which I believe is going. I mean, just from conversations I've had with Chinese miners myself at Great American Mining, I can confirm that these machines are moving. They are looking for homes. Some of them are moving, at least not all. All of them are not going to find homes and. Any quick order, um, but as Leo described in the episode, like the Chinese Communist Party is full of bureaucrats who could probably never coordinate the logistical effort needed to successfully fifty-one percent or reorg attack uh, Bitcoin. Uh, well, Marty, I've got different um, priorities right now too. Marty, uh, first of all, we also discussed it on Dispatch. Um, I, I with Gladstein this week. Um, I think first of all. I'm not necessarily saying that they have to be, you know, um, so organized to do a proper 51% attack. Um, I'm saying they just have to act logically enough to not let the miners leave their borders. Like they could at least seize the miners. It's a very common sense aspect to seize the majority of miners instead of letting them leave their borders or regulate the existing miners that are existing there and, you know, give them clearance to mine there under, a new regulatory regime where they know where their family lives and they know all this other stuff. That's in line with what the Chinese have done in the past. It's not a create, that's not a crazy hard thing for them to do just to stop hardware from leaving their country. Agreed. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Hardware. And then second of all, for the last year, you've been on about the Chinese government being like super effective at taking Hong Kong and spreading, you know, fake news about the, the the virus the covid virus and how they've tricked you, you know governments into in western governments into doing all these different covid things but they can't seize miners like they're not capable of seizing miners they're spreading through africa with all their influence but they can't seize miners i mean they're certainly capable of it but are they that's the question again can they and are they are two different questions that need to be answered yes they certainly can are they it doesn't seem to be the case as is evidenced by Miners hitting the shores in North America, Kazakhstan, Russia, Paraguay, Argentina, and the rest of the world. Um, and then again, and then the 
the leverage of those other activities, destroying sovereignty in Hong Kong and, and economic influence in Africa. Uh, it's much less of a logistical nightmare. There's, there's less that you have just, to do. You can, you can do that. The with. Chinese government is just unsophisticated and they just can't pull off any kind of geopolitical maneuvers, right? I think all governments aren't as sophisticated as we like to portray sometimes on this podcast, myself included. Just looking for some logical consistency over here. Ha! Hey, trying to provide it when and where I can. I just think there's a lot of sugarcoating going on because people don't want to be the one who's fudding or whatever. Um, I'm as bullish on Bitcoin there's as any, I've always been. I don't think there's any sugarcoating going on. I think, I, like, again, I, I'm a little offended that you don't... Uh, don't believe that my sources about this particular subject are. Uh, well, you said on the podcast yourself, you're like, the hash isn't going to come online for a year or something like that. Like it's going to take a. It's going to take a while. Yeah. And that's okay. Well, I'll believe it when it comes online. Like what? I have no, no verifiable sources that say that this hash is not just floating around somewhere. Like where, like I, you know, it's hitting shores. What, 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 what proof do I have of that? I mean, you can you can hit up the hosting facilities that are plugging in their machines. I mean, this is, exists. There's not some conspiracy. So then why hasn't the hash rebounded? Well, because they're unplugging a lot of hash. Uh, I guess they're unplugging more machines than they're plugging in right now. And again, there's capacity issues here in the U.S. Um, it's going to take time. We'll get further into it as we describe the difficulty adjustment that is pending, impending, excuse me, impending difficulty adjustment, 147 blocks away. Uh, we're currently sitting at $33,270, according to Clark's dashboard. One cuck buck is still going to get you more than 3,000 sets, 3,006 sets to be exact. We're at block height, 689,325. A nice five ender there. Uh, Taproot's locked in, obviously. Now, due to the slowdown of block production, that's looking like it'll be activated on November 20th of this year. Yeah, hash rate has fallen significantly. Like I said, we're 147 blocks away from the next downward difficulty adjustment, which right now is estimated to be tomorrow. And that would be a negative 277 percent downward difficulty adjustment blocks have been coming in at 13 minutes and 49 seconds on average since the last free target that's three minutes and 49 seconds above the 10 minute block production target uh mempool not too crazy right now 78,431 transactions in clark's mempool it's been 38 minutes and 34 seconds since the last block was mined uh, Samurai back above 3,000 at 3,000, 17.15 BTC uh, or 100 million point four cuck bucks. 100.4 million cuck bucks. That's the correct way to say that. I'm sure we'll get into the flame wars. Have you been dealing with the flame wars this week? You're good. The Twitter, the Twitter stream is broken. Oh, what's wrong with the Twitter stream? I don't know. Well, it is what it is. Sorry about that, freaks. Is YouTube okay? Yeah, it looks like YouTube's all right. That's why I was distracted. I was, I was diagnosing. Yeah. So looks like we're gonna have the largest downward difficulty adjustment in Bitcoin's history. 
there was a lot of debates this week about what is the actual limit of the difficulty adjustment both ways. There was a lot of misinformation out there that the there's a hard 25% limit up or down. That is not the case. The, I, I think the way it's been described to me this week uh, is that you can have an adjustment that is um, four-factor down. Or minus up. 75% cap. Minus 75% is the largest downward difficulty adjustment possible. And plus 300% is the largest upward difficulty adjustment possible. Uh, and that limit has only been hit once in Bitcoin's history. Our, our buddy Vic uh, tweeted it out earlier today. Let me find the tweet here. Again, the limits of the Bitcoin difficulty adjustment are up 4x, that's plus 300%, or down uh, a quarter X, which is minus 75%, as we just described. Actually happened only once into the upside in 2010. Um, we're not going to hit the lower limit. So yeah, the 181st difficulty adjustment was a limit up at 300% in July of 2010. Um, so 11 years ago was the first and only time we've ever hit that difficulty. And the reason the hard codes... Oh, sorry. Cut it oh, out. Did it just fix the Twitter thing? I don't know. Did well, you... anyway, I posted the... The reason the hard code's there is so that there's not extra shenanigans that could happen. Or I think it's... Uh... I think it's specifically on the sinking when you're when you're sinking the chain for the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you learn because someone could feed you bunk data on the on the first sink. Yeah, learn something new about Bitcoin every week. I did not know about these uh, downward and upward limits to the adjustment. Um, with that being said, we're not going to hit the limit downward this time. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we hit thirty percent, which would be pretty insane. This time, Marty, you think we're going to ever have a 75% downward? No. no. Who knows? Who knows? You never know. You never know. But uh, I guess a silver lining of all this, many silver linings. One, uh, which I'm actually writing about in the bent for today, which will obviously go out after this episode's recorded and, and posted. Uh, but the Bitcoin network is extremely resilient. I mean, this whole migration and disruption of hash rate dedicated to uh, the Bitcoin network is just highlighting the resiliency of the network and the fact that it's a working distributed system. I, I mean, blocks are coming in almost four minutes above the 10 minute target. Uh, however, blocks are still being produced. Transactions are still being facilitated. People are able to access this peer to peer distributed cash system um, in, in the actual physical migration of the ASICs is highlighting one of the beauties of Bitcoin's uh, distributed proof of work consensus mechanism too, is that it's very mobile. You can move your machines and plunk them in somewhere else. None of that has happened yet. <laughs> it's, ha it's happening. Okay. It's happening. Leo even said on your podcast that most of these miners have trouble actually orchestrating deals cross country. Yes. It's going to take time. Okay, so you're but you're applauding things that have haven't happened yet. Things are happening just because all of them aren't aren't moved and plugged in yet doesn't mean some aren't and more won't be over the next months, years. Also, the Twitter the Twitter streams back online. All right, boss. I uh, have no idea what happened there. I guess it, I saw it pop up on the the Zoom thing. The meeting is now streaming live, so I think it just like had a delay on the Twitter one. That's all. Get back up. Um, I, it was never up, but now it's up. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, 
there's not a lot of people talking about the the fact that this is exactly what a state level attack would look like. There's plenty of people talking um, about it. We've talked about it for weeks. Like, it's just whether or not it is. We're I'm literally the only person really talking about it. Who else is talking about it? It's like me and sixty one hundred two. It's like me and my Nim are the only ones talking about it. <laughs> I mean, it's a- Everyone else is tweeting out like, this is why the difficulty adjustment exists. This is the beauty of the distributed network of Bitcoin. You're going crazy paranoid, like saying like that. I'm not crazy paranoid. I'm just paranoid. And it's important. It's important to have like, you know, a critical lens on this shit instead of just like it's never important to be critical. But like, it's also important to be realistic with what's going on. The difficulty adjustment prevents a death spiral event from happening. The combination of the difficulty adjustment and the fee market prevents a death spiral from happening because if if the difficulty is slow to change, fees build up and then we get through the difficulty period and the difficulty adjusting down allows us to still maintain our constant block times um, so you don't have a death spiral and it increases the profitability of the existing miners. The difficulty adjustment really helps mostly there. We've never been in a situation before where we've had this kind of amount of hash pulled from the network, especially not in this stage of Bitcoin cycle, because it's the first time we've ever been 11 years into Bitcoin, right? Um, but 12 and a half, sir. 12 and a half years into Bitcoin. Um, but people are acting like this is just normal shit that happens all the time. This has never happened before. The, the most important thing to take away from this shit is that we're watching something happen for the first fucking time. Well, we described the limit up difficulty adjustment in 2010. That could have been an attack, right? And you increase the difficulty by 3x, 4x, and then you pull your hash rate off. That could have been a test in the early days. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't. It happened before. It's, uh, I mean, we've had the China mining, or excuse me, the China ban FUD for the better part of half a decade now, um, maybe even longer. Now it seems to have materialized. And again, if you listen to the episode with Leo, the particular urgency from the CCP is being driven by the fact that it's the 100-year anniversary of the founding of the Chinese Communist Party, which is a big milestone for that particular political group. And they uh, are having celebrations around this anniversary this year. Um, and the theme, uh, actually go into this with Edward, we talk about this more specifically, so that'll be out tomorrow. If you listen to that episode, we get into the specifics of the 100-year anniversary and the, the, the large theme of the CCP around these celebrations is harmony. Um, and I think Bitcoin mining was one of a number of activities that got axed uh, due to the fact that it could potentially um, it, introduce unharmonious activities, particularly trading with leverage and moving money abroad via mining. Um, So that was actually an interesting part of the conversation with Edward that drops tomorrow is will the, the obviously hatred towards Bitcoin mining from the CCP abate a bit three, six, eight months after the celebration? Is this something where they just want to be no miners left in China anymore at that point? Because they're well, all getting kicked out, right? Well, you'll hear there's so there's some miners posturing within China. They're just putting their ASICs in warehouses, hoping that three, six months after the celebrations, it'll be easier to plug machines in. They won't really care because they don't have to 
portray harmony during during these celebrations it'll be over at that point so that's a that's one of the risks some miners within the the country are taking um they're taking a wait and see and pray that um after these celebrations are over they'll be able to plug their machines back in without getting in trouble um it's a risky bet in my opinion regardless if stuff does ease up a number of months after the celebrations i mean this event alone would not want me to have an, an overwhelming majority of my hash rate within China's borders. So they can just do this on a moment's notice and disrupt the, the market pretty aggressively. Uh, the, they'll never be able to do this again. I don't think so. No. Either, either, either the common consensus is correct and the majority of hash is leaving their country and they made the biggest blunder of their fucking the career of the CCP and we'll look back, we'll look back in history and be like, holy shit, like 22, two decades from now, we'll look back and be like, that was the time they fucked up. That was the time they really let Bitcoin get out of the bag. Or it's a state level attack and everything's going to get really fucking messy and they won't be able to pull off that type of attack again. Like they'll be able to cause some short term reputational damage to Bitcoin uh, a lot of players in Bitcoin land might be caught with their pants down if if they're accepting transactions without the sufficient confirmations. Um, but they, they either way, they won't be able to pull it off again. Yeah. Your loss, CCP. Strong, strong move. We'll see if it pays off. Bold move, Cotton. Apparently, I'm a spook. I'm acting very spookish this episode. You're not handling. You're not acting spookish. I'm, I'm acting spookish, apparently. I'm the spook, freaks. Everybody put your fucking hands up. The point is everyone should act like everyone's the spook. Yeah. Especially the fucking CCP. <laughs> and especially Chinese miners. Like, are you, I like this is, uh, whatever. You know, I, I agree Don't with you that. No. Don't get racist. That's not racist. Have, were I, you I, around for Segwit2x? What about Chinese miners? Were you around for Segwit2x? Were you around for Bcash? It was one Chinese miner, Jian Wu. It was a single. It was a single Chinese mine. Right, most of it, yes, and you go. What Wang Wang Chun wasn't involved at all either. And I think I think Wang Chun was just trolling. But yeah. Oh, he was just trolling. But but Jihan wasn't. No, Jihan. I mean, he was very serious. He destroyed his whole career, put all of his eggs in that basket, and it did not pan out. I mean, he didn't pull the trigger at the very end. No, he didn't. He didn't have the balls. Did not have the balls. Um, front load. We got to front load these episodes with uh, disclosures. This one seems pretty big. Uh, so apparently Spectre had an update recently, uh, and the Windows client specifically uh, came with a virus attached to it, a Spectre-specific virus, correct? I mean... It wasn't Spectre-specific virus. It wasn't? It was Windows? I thought it was... I thought it well, was Windows a, is a virus. Windows <laughs> is a virus. First of all, freaks, you shouldn't use Windows for anything Bitcoin-related. And you should use a dedicated machine for Bitcoin things. So this case, one of the Spectre developers, K9ERT, was in charge of compiling the Windows binary, which you take the source, you build it into, you know, like your installation file on Windows. And he did it on a computer that his kids also use, a Windows computer that his kids also use that had a virus that was designed to infect compilers. So it was, it was designed to hatch onto that build process and and be a part of the binary it's a known windows trojan um 
I don't know if they've released a full report yet. He just like tweeted it out. I saw it. Basically, what you should do is you should uninstall it. You should run some kind of antivirus. I don't know what antiviruses are on Windows now. Um, McAfee, rest in peace. No, don't use McAfee. Use like the built-in Windows Defender or like Malwarebytes or something. Um, and then just sit tight and just see what's up next. Like don't make transactions or do anything. Um, but it's not. I, it doesn't seem like it's a Bitcoin-specific thing. But this just goes hand in hand with... Um, so even if you PGP verified that build, uh, that binary, it would have come back correct because K9ERT actually, you know, put it together. So like uh, the, the Spectre developer put it together, PGP verification wouldn't protect you here. Um, you know, I guess what could protect you is if you build from source yourself. Most people won't do that. But I guess a more practical, actionable thing you can take away from this is, you know, be slower to update. This was a update three days ago so like use the older version unless it's like a super critical update according to the developer use the older version for a little bit let other people test it out in the wild and see what happens yeah i saw a screenshot from the specter telegram chat uh the developer you just mentioned apparently is um i want to approach this lightly so it doesn't seem like i'm making fun of anybody said the machine that he uses to to push the code is also used by his children in some instances um yeah that's what i said they were like playing games on the windows computer or whatever yeah um that's not good yeah, you gotta separate life and, and work when it comes to bitcoin like if you don't have if you don't have a secure i mean it's hard to have a secure windows computer if you don't have a dedicated windows machine to compile binaries then don't ship windows binaries I mean, I'm not completely against the idea of just not shipping Windows binaries, period, just to encourage people to at least use Mac. I mean, they should be using Linux. I like Pop! OS. Um, it's a very user-friendly Linux. You can get a cheap, like, Dell computer or something and just flash Pop! OS on it and just start playing around with it. I think it's, it's pretty user-friendly. Um, Marty, uh, should the U.S. government ban TikTok? I think so. It's poison. It's poison for the mind. But I don't think the CCP is sophisticated enough to have an application that could surveil large swaths of the U.S. population. See, like you're you're conflating two things. I don't disagree there. But how low effort is that? You just put a little malicious uh, bug in a TikTok app and you distribute it to the globe, and you get all the zoomers. It doesn't even need a bug. Downloading. It's just by design. It's surveillance yeah, software. Exactly. With Bitcoin mining, you literally have physical logistic. Don't let them ship out of the country. Yeah, agreed. But is that happening? I don't believe so. At least not yet. And again, so the logistical uh, effort needed to levy that attack against the Bitcoin network compared to the pushing of a code via GitHub to all TikTok users is a much different animal. Would you agree with that at least? Well, I mean, TikTok does not use GitHub. <laughs> Whatever they um, I mean, look, I was on the side that I don't think TikTok should be banned, just to be clear. I, I think it's a surveillance operation. Neither do I. I think also, you know, like Facebook is a surveillance operation. Twitter is a surveillance operation. Corporate surveillance, government surveillance comes Zoom. together, works together. Zoom. Zoom, obviously. Um, but... I don't think it's a sophisticated thing for China, the CCP, 
to be seizing the majority of minors, pressuring minors into regulatory compliance, knowing where their family lives, while having some minors that are on their payroll or just on their side, giving out statements and giving out videos that are saying, you know, minors are moving. This is like, it's like it's standard CCP protocol. It's not a Bitcoin specific thing. That's a, ver- like a relatively simple thing for them to do, as opposed to being like, oh, just this massive hand we're dealt with, my- right. with hash rate. We're just going right. to let right. leave right. our borders. All right. If it's relatively simple. All right. Walk me through the process of literally getting all those machines and plugging them in without. Not, I did not get to that point yet. Well, exactly. I didn't say they're plugging it point's in yet. Important. That <laughs> point's very important. No, I'm saying that at, at the very least, I expect them to be seizing the majority of miners and not preventing them from going across borders. We shall see. We shall see. It's, it's extremely weird to me that the, the consensus is that the Chinese government is just allowing fucking hash rate to move across their borders. That is, that is completely different than the CCP I know. Maybe they're honestly not threatened by Bitcoin. If they're not threatened by Bitcoin, then why are they banning Bitcoin mining? Because it, and they, ha- of course they're threatened by Bitcoin. Maybe they're not. Maybe they think the digital yuan. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see in time. We, we can. We can we go. We will see. We can go back and forth. We can do this. You've already had to eat a little bit of crow because you didn't believe me before. Um, uh, we'll see. We'll we'll come back in six months, a year, two years. We'll be talking about this for a while. We can harp on it all all episode if we want to, but we're, it doesn't seem like we're going to get anywhere. We shall see what happens. I'm more worried about the extension of the banning of mining to the manufacturers of the ASICs. That's something I'm more worried about is if they go after Bitmain and MicroBT in any fashion are able to materially impede their ability to facilitate their businesses. That's something I'd be, I'm personally more worried about as a miner. How are you worried about that and not worried about, I just expect them to let hash rate out of the borders. <laughs> Again, because logistically, that's a lot easier. The logistics of actually getting these miners and stopping them at the border is not as straightforward as I think you're making it out to be. We shall see, though. We shall see. Again. What's easier? Just go to the two manufacturers that make the ASICs and tell them to shut the fuck up and stop making hardware. Much easier. Why haven't they done that yet? Well, exactly. Maybe because, again, what I think... Seems it, a little bit fishy, doesn't it, Marty? I think they're overlooking. I think they're making... And we said this two weeks ago. We said this last week. I think they're making a, a long-term strategic blunder that we're going to look back decades from now and laugh at. Be like, holy shit, how did you fucking blow this? You had 60 to 70% of the hash rate in your borders and you fucked it up. On uh, to more rosier adoption stuff. To be clear, wait, before we switch, just to be clear here, like I agree that that is the most likely outcome. I just, someone needs to fucking push back because everyone's acting so fucking confident that that is the case and it just doesn't feel right. And like people, Bitcoiners should be more skeptical and Bitcoiners should like be more objective with this shit. That's all. Yeah, be skeptical. I mean, again, I'm having conversations directly with these people, talking logistics, talking movement of ASICs. It's happening. I'm not like just talking out of my ass about 
second secondary sources. I'm talking to primary sources, people on the ground actually doing this stuff every day. It's happening. You can believe me. You can't believe me. You think I'm getting duped. Uh, the information I have leads me to believe that this is real. It's happening. <laughs> Athena blockchain, ATM creator, uh, is set to install 1500 Bitcoin ATMs in El Salvador. This was in Reuters. Um, so it's big. I mean, this is whatever. El Salvador is going to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. They're going to need more uh, on-ramps to do so. Uh, ATMs are a good way to do that. So 1,500 ATMs are going to be dispersed throughout uh, the country of El Salvador over the next year, I believe. Anything you want to add to this one? You know, it's it's great to see. I, I've always been bullish on the concept of Bitcoin ATMs. It makes the most sense to me because I like cash and I like Bitcoin and it's a very simple concept. You know, you put cash in on one side, you get Bitcoin, you send the Bitcoin, you get cash out on the other side. Um, the biggest issue with Bitcoin ATMs, which is why I was completely off base with my projections of how Bitcoin ATMs would go across the globe, um, has been regulatory issues, right? But if... Uh, the El Salvadorian government is is super, you know, pro Bitcoin. Then maybe they won't have those kind of issues there, and they'll have very dense machines that aren't, you know, machine locations that aren't, you know, taking onerous KYC information and actually have strong competition. So fees remain low because right now what you basically see is because the regulatory compliance is so high for these operators, there's not that much competition in different areas. So the fees for the individual ATMs are much higher. Than they should be like if you had if it was easy to launch a bitcoin atm network because you didn't have this regulatory compliance you'd have multiple providers all competing with each other and fees would get driven you know close to zero yeah goddamn regulations always fucking things up the government coming in mispricing mispricing helping to misprice the world so why we need to get bitcoin fix the money fix the world fix the pricing mechanism of the global economy, of global trade, and make it too expensive for these regulations. Make it nonsensical. Make it too expensive to regulate. The way you do that is you take a, take the money spigot away. That's what we're looking to do here, freaks. Shout out to Athena Blockchain. A good company based out of Chicago. I, had you ever heard of them? Yeah, yeah. I've talked to them in years past. Um, Gil is their CEO. I've, I've spoken with him before. Yeah, Chicago company building ATM it's for the Bitcoin one. It's a pretty big deal for them, I'm sure. 1,500 ATMs throughout El Salvador. Um, I know you and Alex talked about this on Tuesday, but what do we think about Chivo? Like you're talking about a tax on Bitcoin and Bitcoiners. Uh, I mean, now we just trust governments on this podcast. So I, <laughs> I think that we can just trust them with a the custodial lightning wallet and uh, there's no surveillance concerns whatsoever. And uh we're just uh, we're just trusting governments now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's bittersweet. The Chiva wallet's bittersweet. What concerns me is a custodial Lightning wallet is the same play as something like a WeChat, but net strictly better because if it if you can actually link into Bitcoin and actually spend to a you know non custodial Lightning wallet, that's obviously better than WeChat. Yes. Um, but if everyone stays in Chivo you have the same exact situation as WeChat, right? You have this surveillance Panopticon app that 
has complete control over your citizens' financial transactions. And I expect that at some point in the future, hopefully I'm wrong. You know, these are the types of predictions I like to get wrong. Hopefully, I, at some point in the future, what I expect is them to start blocking transactions, blocking people's access to funds, using the records they have. You know, it's probably mostly a cash-based economy there to begin with. So now all of a sudden, all these transactions are getting tracked. Um, and then people will basically get burnt and they'll learn that they should use more sovereign options. Um, the, the concern I have is it's kind of, when you have this like open system, right? Instead of a WeChat where like people could just do remittances. If they have a relative with strike, they can just do remittances to wallet of Satoshi or moon wallet or something, right? Wallet of Satoshi's custodial, but they could do something to like moon wallet or they can have a full node, you know, and they could just bypass Chivo completely. But what the government can do and we're watching them do it is they can hand them free money and they can say no fees and Private companies can't compete with that. Like a government can always give you a centralized option, especially a government can always give you a cheaper thing, a cheaper deal and a, a faster deal than a censorship resistant sovereign option. And that's what's going to happen in this post Bitcoin world is we're going to see. Is that the, how poverty is? $30? What? $30. I mean, that's all it takes to give up all sovereignty. Here. But look, you start with 30, you give them a little bone, you know, I, I, the, the, the monthly salary there, the average monthly take home, like income is very low to begin with. So you give them a bone and then you see what happens. I mean, we like, this is not very different than what you see uh, in the United States with schemes with, you know, like stimulus schemes and stuff like that. And people saying like, oh, let's put it on a debit card and control how they spend it and do all this different stuff. I think we're going to see this more and more as as governments digitize, but it's strictly better that it's a Bitcoin wallet. I'm not I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer about it being a Bitcoin well, wallet, but it's important that people realize that this is has major privacy concerns. Yeah, well, to let's use this to um to segue into a conversation about the the Chalmian mints being applied to custodial lightning network wallets too. Like, what what is the spectrum? Obviously, Chivo's on one pretty far end of the spectrum towards full surveillance um, and control by the government and a third party. How would something, uh, and I'm not sure how comfortable you are speaking on this particular subject, but in your mind, I have some thoughts on this. Like how would something like a, a Chalmian mint added to a wallet like this uh, shift that towards the center of the spectrum? So I read Rod Armour's post, which he was a freak by the way, and and he actually it was the write up. It's his friend Eric Syrian, who's also a freak, who actually is uh, putting together the minimal viable product of this um, proposal, which is a Chalmian mint built on built on top of Lightning that is federated. And Chalmian mints, uh, Chalmian eCash specifically, the trade off is you get very good privacy, but you have custodial risk. You have third party custodial risk. So. And, and it's usually in a closed system. So by putting it on Lightning and making it federated, you solve two of those three issues. By putting it on Lightning, it can pay any Lightning invoice. It can pay out to the greater Lightning network. So it has interoperability. You still have the privacy. And then the, the second trade-off it knocks off is the on the federated side, instead of being purely custodial and a single entity is holding it, you could do like 
12 of 16 or something. So a similar trust model to something like liquid by making it federated, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously you'd want to put them in different jurisdictions and do all this different stuff to try and reduce that risk even more. Um, then you got something in the middle, like what Galoy Money's doing, um, the Bitcoin Beach wallet, where you get no privacy because it's not charming mint, but it's a custodial lightning wallet, but they do multi-sig for the custody and it's trusted people in the community. So you have like two of three trusted members of the community and it's open source. So you see it get forked and forked and forked and you have a bunch of different local communities all running an open source custodial wallet with trusted local uh, known members holding the multi-sig keys. And then you have the Chivo wallet or wallet of Satoshi, where you have a single entity holding a custodial wallet and you have to trust them with the custody of your funds and holding your funds and your privacy. Obviously, if you play all those trade-offs off, this Chalmian Mint idea seems like the best fucking idea, right? But we don't have it in production yet, first of all. And second of all, if a government is going to offer you an option, they'll probably give you the least private one, is my guess, because their incentive is that they want to track you. They want control. Yeah, agreed. That's why we need to get the options out there. I really want to see this Chalmian Mint on Lightning yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, in the wild, right? And the pri- so the privacy is attained via basically the federation has no idea who's spending the sats um, via the within, right? So you you have um, privacy via the crowd essentially. Um, or right, and this was an already an existing implementation, Charming eCash. The problem was it relied on fiat. And fiat, that meant you had to have like a trusted third party that was holding like Tether. It was the same issue as a Tether. Yes. With Bitcoin, because it's a bearer token, you can actually do a proper federated system with transparency. So you know um, that the reserves are there um, and you still get those privacy benefits. So it's this is something that, you know, like Shinobi has been talking about this for a long fucking time. It's been like one of his pet projects. (laughs) Um, We had Frank Braun had like a shitcoin version called Script Cash. They kind of just like stopped development in 2020. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we see this get developed more. I told uh, I told both Eric and Rod if there's anything I can do to help on my end and OpenSats potentially. Um, that were all ears, and uh, you know, hopefully the freaks mobilize on this because it, it would it would definitely it's a it's strictly an advantage over regular custodial lightning, and it could actually be an ideal fit for user-friendly lightning because you don't have channel management with privacy best practices built in because that's important. Like the UX with not having to manage the channels, the Federation does that for you and getting the privacy of the crowd. The Federation doesn't know who's paying what invoices. The trade-offs seem pretty ideal after reading that, um, that rod armor piece earlier this week and writing about it seems like at least to me off the bat, obviously no code has been written. Nothing's been implemented, but an idea on paper, the trade-offs seem almost perfect for well, the, usability. The problem with the federated model, which is the problem that Liquid has and no one wants to talk about, <laughs> is when whenever you have custody, right? And and it's the same issue with Wallet of Satoshi. It's the same issue with Blue Wallet, Custodial Wallets, is whenever you have custody, if you get big enough, the governments are going to come knocking and make you add KYC, right? Which is why... 
like NVK a lot of times, like what he wants, he wants to see like a million liquid networks get born and that they're like anonymous entities. So you don't know who the 14 or 16 are. They're just Tor identities and no one knows who they are. So like ideally what we'd want to see with this Charming Mint thing is that you'd have multiple custodial lightning wallets implement the standard and you wouldn't know who the federation members are. And maybe in the beginning it's dicey because you're like, I have no fucking idea who's running this shit. But in 10 years, you're like, well, it's been running for 10 years. They probably won't fuck me now, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's like an interesting chicken and egg problem. How do you develop the reputation for these pseudonymous signers, if you will, um, before being comfortable with doing something like that? Can they only prove it in time by providing a service for, for a decade, like you just mentioned? Crazy thing. Bitcoin's beautiful. And like you said, so this is... The Chalmy Mints is an idea that's been around for quite a while now and uh, was not able to be implemented successfully due to the centralized nature of the currencies. It was trying to create these mints on top of now with Bitcoin, uh, a lot of people, and that's what Rod Armour said in his blog post that I wrote about in the bent earlier this week and that we're going to link to in the show notes here. Uh, was like, all right, a lot of people were a bit dismayed uh, at the failure of the the first attempts to implement these Xiaomi amendments, but now it actually, with Bitcoin and Lightning specifically, probably makes sense to to go at this again and try to implement it now, which is exciting to see old ideas being um, brought back to life because of Bitcoin and because uh, it enables these things specifically. So Bitcoin, man, it's a beautiful thing. It works. It fucking works. It's winning. It's actually what I'm writing about in the event today. Bitcoin is winning. Bitcoin is winning because it is demonstrably better. It's a step function improvement. Bitcoin, the asset, is a step function improvement on fiat currencies and their ability to be printed ex nihilo and into infinity. And the asset beats uh, its competitor in the US dollar and other fiat currencies in that regards. And then the network, the peer-to-peer distributed nature of the network that allows peers to send transactions and relay transactions between each other uh, that get included in the block without uh, a high probability or even a low probability of censorship is um, a step function improvement on the payment networks that, that ruled the day, whether it be SWIFT, uh, you know, ACH, ACH wires, whatever it may be. Bitcoin is winning because it is a step function improvement on in the facilities of money and the facilities of the transfer of that money. It's a beautiful thing. Things are being built. Whew. What do you think, Matt? What? What do you think? It's a beautiful thing. Um, you know, I love Bitcoin. Sometimes I, just... I wonder. Sometimes I wonder, dude. <laughs> If it's not clear, I'm always fucking bullish. <laughs> um, freaks were asking for shout outs. I don't think we have shout outs this week. We have no, uh, Come on, freaks. What are you well, doing out there? Triple check. I checked an hour ago. Let me check again. Yeah, check again, you know. Maybe the CCP sent one in for you. Ooh, we do have one. Oh, we got a shout out. Last minute. Oh, no. It came in at 1121 a.m. So I haven't checked in the last hour. It's been about four. Hey, Marty, Matt, don't want to shout out, but instead hoping you might consider directing listeners to Bitcoin Beach thread. All right, and there you go. This is what happens when you 
Why did you never read through it before you you read it? We both get surprised. Now I have to read it. H. Okay, might consider directing. No, don't read the link to this Bitcoin Beach thread. We'll put it in the show notes. What is it? It's a Twitter thread. Yeah, it's, go to Bitcoin Beach. Wait, no. Yeah, read the URL, Marty. You were about to read the URL. Why H- don't you read the URL? Yes. Semicolon backslash backslash twitter.com slash Bitcoin Beach slash status slash one four zero nine nine one seven six two seven eight seven one three six three zero seven seven. Spent the last week in El Zante and the good folks down there are absolute legends. Hoping the freaks might consider spending some sats on a few of Lightning's earliest merchant adopters, specifically Mama Rosa lightning url in thread uh that we will link to and you guys should be able to type it into your browsers after what <laughs> say. uh could use our support she was the first business in zante to start accepting bitcoin therefore probably the first in the entire country and almost died last week and needs several operations uh cheers keep up the awesome work both helped me tremendously over the years chris so yes we will link to that we bitcoin thread in uh the show notes and we will donate i'll donate on air um i'll pull this thread up i'll retweet it too right now for anybody listening you go while i donate i had a freak uh send me his new product uh it's these it's like the steel plates where you can put your stamp your seat in but you made them really fucking small like like how small this fucking thing is. I like that. Very good quality. I like it. Do you like the small? Uh, that's co- coddle.co. C-O-D-L dot C-O. Free ads. Free ads. Wow. Matt, Matt doing free ads on the show. This is not a free ad. This is just uh, this is just a freak with a new product and he's just trying to stack sats with a solid product. I like it because if you're doing multi-sig, you, know, you don't want all the big steel plates all around. The little plates are way more convenient. All right, I found Mama Rosa's address. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send her hundred thousand sets. Uh, unknown address format. Uh, I gotta pay her on chain. Mama Rosa, I'll pay you on chain. Let me get my other wallet. She doesn't accept Lightning. Not with this address. I thought she was one of the first Lightning merchants. I'm sure she accepts lightning to this one particular address is not. We'll send you. One of the things I like, I like about this coddle guy is uh, he like opened a channel with our stacking sats node and he was a complete lightning noob. And over the last like four weeks, he's just d- dove headfirst into lightning and he's lost a bunch of money like, like I did when I dove. And now at this point, he's like trying, he's like lecturing me on lightning best practices, which I just love the, I love the rapid pace of education. Well, that's the beauty. Now we have all these sources out there. People can learn quickly. I'm freaked. Sorry if I'm glistening and sweating. I have my window open. It's like 90 degrees and humid out now. Um, but yeah, it's easier. It's easier to learn about this stuff than ever before. Wait, are we sure this is a real person that you just sent money to? Bitcoin Beach tweeted. I didn't out, send right? money to her. That address didn't work either. I don't know what's going on. But Bitcoin Beach tweeted out, right? Like this is Bitcoin Beach verified it. Yes, yes. Bitcoin Beach responded. Okay, we have a freak in the live comments that was like making fun of you. Hey, it's my mama Rosa. Send me some sets. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I trust I I trust uh, Bitcoin Beach. 
Shout they, out. They're Chris. real. They're real people. Shout out to Chris at Bitcoin Beach for that shout out. Only one of the week. Um, all right, Mama Rose, I need to get you some sats. I need to find a good address. Bitcoin Beach team, reach out to me. How can that address not, how does an address not work? It's just the checksum doesn't even fit. It's not a correct address. I don't know. You go, go look in the thread. I just retweeted it. And I'm not going to look. We're really recording right now. I'll look afterwards. QR code. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's our only shout out. That's our only shout out. Freak. I'm glad we nailed that. Freaks. Uh, happy. I'm happy I checked. Thank you for for badgering me to check because um, I, I thought we had no shout outs today. BISC version 1.7.0 has been released. Major update, I assume. 1.7.0. There's supposedly a privacy vulnerability. So after next week, this is going to be the only version you can use to make trades. And they haven't disclosed what the privacy vulnerability is yet. They're going to dis- disclose that in a week. Oh, lovely. Lovely. Be on the lookout for that, freaks. We'll make you aware of it uh, next week during that rabbit hole recap if it drops before we record. Uh, this thing looks pretty cool. I saw you put this on the list, looked into it. How, how do you pronounce it? Switch? I don't know. It's a horrible name. It's going to go into the Hall of Fame with Moon with two U's. Um, but, you know, I like both projects. Uh, so this is... Um, <laughs> it's at cwtch.im. Is the it's so bad. What were they thinking? Why is that the name? It well, makes no I, fun. I, I, How do you pronounce Welsh, it? It's a Welsh word. I, I'm just going with switch because uh, that's it's just what's coming. To I mind. think it's pronounced Kutch. 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 Potentially Kutch. A Welsh word roughly translating to a hug that creates a safe place. Um, and so this is uh, a decentralized, privacy-preserving, multi-party messaging protocol that can be used to build metadata-resistant applications. Um, seems pretty cool. It's... How'd it's you find well, so this is, uh, I think her name is Sarah, Sarah Jamie Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the privacy advocate. Yeah, yeah. I, um, and she's been working on this for like a year or two years. Uh, so it's finally out. Um, and I mean, you just said a lot of buzzwords, but like basically it's supposed to be trust minimized. I know, her buzzwords. It's, it's trust minimized encrypted messaging. And it has a group messaging feature, a group chat feature where who's ever hosting the server, you don't have to trust the server operator. So we could have like a thousand cutch switch servers, whatever, however you pronounce it. And you could pick which one you wanted to use for your group chat and you don't have to trust the server. Yeah, that's a good, um, that's a good model. It leverages Tor uh, V3 onion services as well. Uh, all communication in switch is end-to-end encrypted. It takes place over Tor version three. Um, it's we just, have no idea to pronounce that. that. No information <laughs> is exchanged or available to anyone without their explicit consent, including on the wire messages and protocol metadata. This is what we want to see. We want to see more of these projects hit hit the the market um, in lieu of the, the amount of data that is being harvested. And I don't think you have. Oh, yep, you do have it on there. Um, I saw your response to it, but let's just talk about LinkedIn as we're on this subject. So its main competitor is Matrix. Um, but with matrix, there's more trust involved in the server. So the whole idea here is to try and reduce the trust in who's operating the server. Mm-hmm. Um, matrix is more fleshed out and has more features. This is very much a beta product. Have you tested it yet? No, I have not. Is it available? I think it's available on everything except windows. 
Android. No, it's got Windows. Android, Windows, Linux, iOS, iOS slash Mac OS, and you can build from source as well. So it has everything. It has everything. There you go. Go test it out, freaks. Or don't do it on a machine that's important. Yeah, use your kid's machine. Yeah. <laughs> use the one you compile the Spectre binaries on. <laughs> uh, so LinkedIn. Uh, they had a big data breach. Surveillance, <laughs> surveillance app. Uh, LinkedIn. I'm happy I deleted that years ago. Do you think they got my information from... Not if you deleted it. I mean, the NSA still has your information and LinkedIn still might have your information, but but this was really fucked. So, so nearly seven, let's just assume all LinkedIn users. Why? Like how, who were like the million that were spared from that? No. So there was, there was, it was like 700 million of 740 million or something like (laughs) that. Um, but it was, it was the API broke. So they exploited the, 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 the official API of LinkedIn to pull all this information. So presumably only people with active accounts, uh, got hit, but do you see what got exposed? It's like names, physical addresses, yeah, addresses, full names, phone numbers, physical address, geolocation records, LinkedIn username and profile URL, personal and professional experience slash background, genders, other social media accounts, and usernames. All the information. Yeah. So, if if like for instance, if you're one of the a million people that was exposed in the ledger hack by just an email address they can take that email address, mix it with the email address that they find on LinkedIn, and then they get all the other information too. Yes. So this is how malicious individuals combine data leaks, and then they use the common PII to, 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 to hit you. Yeah. Not no. great. It's all good. I'm so happy I don't have LinkedIn. That's always like a good feeling when, I mean, obviously you hate to, to see 700 million people get their uh, information exposed to the dark web. But it always feels good inside when it's like, ah, I fucking deleted that four years ago. Thank God. The number one thing you can do, you know, I did a, uh, I think it was for Fidelity. I was on a panel with uh, Fluffy Pony, uh, Ricardo Spagni, and he made a very good point that just like, don't get overwhelmed with privacy. Try and do little improvements. Um, and one key little improvement you can do is just start removing social media accounts. You know, maybe today you remove your LinkedIn. In a month, you remove your Instagram. In two months, you remove your Facebook. You get rid of your Gmail. You know, just start getting rid of the surveillance apps one by one. Um, and, uh, and, and move to more privacy-preserving options and just share less. Just try and, you know, share less information. And while we're on that note, like, unplug all the corporate wiretaps that you've installed in your in your house as well please tell alexa to fuck off um, yeah and we have Ab- abamez and twitter yes twitter is 100 percent my favorite surveillance app i should use it less i agree hey um, you've been very vocal about that this week and i think i uh, i think we both have been using twitter less the last couple we've been doing very good been- i'm uh we could be doing better, Marty. We could be doing better. But always but, uh, be doing better. You know, you're never going to hit perfection. You're always striving for it. We're going to try, freaks. It's my last social media. I, I mean, it's my two favorite surveillance apps are uh, Twitter and Telegram. Those are like my last bastions. Um, yeah, Twitter, Telegram. I'm still on Instagram, too. Just keep up with the family. That's um, my Achilles heel is the family. You can. So what I got the family on is... We just have like a massive group signal chat. 
And like we, I, I get them to share when they want to share their photos, they can share their photos in the signal group chat. So we like use that as like a faux social media. I like that model. Um, the hardest, but one of the hardest parts is getting other people not to share your, like your own personal things on there. And there's no way for me to audit them because I'm not on those platforms. Um, saw this, one, saw this at the Indy 500. Oh yeah, I mean that was just. <laughs> um, so. Uh, that was just fun. That was just, you know, life is short. Just enjoy yourself, freaks. Uh, the There's a bit of nuance and cope uh, with something like Twitter or all these other apps is you can use them in more private ways as well, right? So like, you know, you're using Twitter with a NIM. Um, if, if you use Twitter with a burner phone number, like that's better. If you don't use the app instead of you use the web, the website. Um, if if you do use the app and you don't give it microphone permissions all the time, like there's little things you can do um, to make it slightly better. But yeah, you, you should consider like all these, basically at this point, we should just assume that any trusted third party. Uh-oh. Is corporate surveillance and, and for government or organization. Agreed. Agreed. I lost there temporarily, but you're back. With all that in mind, we haven't talked about this at all. Uh, Apple's latest update that allows you to deny giving data to apps that will LARP, or is that a material improvement on the interaction with iOS specifically? Apple's custodial privacy. It's, it's, it's closed source, and we don't really know. You know? You're, just, you're just trusting them. Yeah. But... Trade-offs. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, optics, it's, are they following up with the optics? I don't know. It's good to see mm-hmm. them at least virtue signal about privacy. They, um, but meanwhile, about it. You... I mean, meanwhile, right. They do, you know, like full iMessage backups to the cloud. <laughs> um, and then the cloud is an end to end encrypted and they get government requests for the cloud shit. All right. So, you know, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, but it's good. It's good to see them at least virtue signal and make products towards there. And there's some products that are like clearly benefits, like their their email address thing where like they just constantly create email addresses for you. So you don't have to trust the other companies. You just trust Apple. Mm -hmm. Like that's a net benefit. You're trusting Apple anyway. You might as well not trust the other companies. Right. Or they have the fake credit card numbers that they'll give all the companies. But you're still trusting Apple, but you're not trusting. Those are clearly net benefits because you're trusting Apple anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's good to see. But like we had, I also have it on the list and it's perfectly applicable here is like a Microsoft executive who was like, he's like, he's in charge. He's like the vice president of consumer privacy and security or something testified to Congress that they have seven to 10 requests per day from the U S government for U S individuals, cloud information. For you U.S. citizens, cloud information. What is it like? Twenty five hundred to five thousand requests. Make sure you put that link on the list. You don't have it on the list, but I do remember seeing this, and it is. It's pretty- not on the. I didn't put that one on the list. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, and that's just you know common. Not that's the stuff we know about. Then this is where I get drawn more to your side, which is like the U.S. government's just as bad as the Chinese government when it comes to this stuff, right? No, I think the Chinese government's worse. Yeah, but the U.S. government is trending in the wrong direction. Toward they're trying to catch up to China. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of times we get caught up in the government stuff. It's really most of the surveillance is corporate surveillance. It's just then that corporate surveillance is used by governments. Yes. Right. It's uh, like they like from birth nowadays. Humans are just their data is just harvested by like thousands of corporations. Dude, it's before birth, it's so like <laughs> like. Yeah, you would know more than me. Yeah, because you get like serve these ads. You you have a conversation with your wife about your child that's about to be brought into the world in corporate America, corporate global corporate vampire squid is sending you ads catering like during, like we don't we don't find out the sex so that's like a a weird thing they don't they don't um get is like whether we're having a boy or a girl and to, they probably knew before you <laughs> probably um i wouldn't be surprised with the the way like the the obgyn or Whatever it is, they take your blood samples. They have the information on the baby, obviously. And they know whether or not we're having a boy or girl, but we, we, we opt out of finding out until the child's actually brought into the world. Um, but I certainly would not be surprised in the least bit. I would actually be surprised if it isn't happening, that they're leaking that data to these corporations in one way or another. Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't have privacy is dead. Can we, can we get it back though? Can we get it back? We can get it back individually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to just like, we, we need, we need masses to stand up. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it's, it's not, uh, you have two options, right? You have the option to, if you're aware of the issue, you have the option of just taking care of you, you and yours and just, you know, go get some land never give your kid a phone, just completely opt out of all the technology stuff, um, live off the land. This land. Or you can, we can try to fight back together. And that would be ideal, but I'm getting a little... Dismayed? I'm getting a little discouraged uh, by it. Um... Why? Why are you getting discouraged? You're in the thick of it, though. Do you think uh, the fact that you are fully immersed, have dedicated your life to privacy and advocating for privacy and educating people about privacy, and sometimes you're too far in the weeds to see the the light? This is like a, a Matt Marty TFTC interview right now. There's like few of a few, very few care, you know. And I I think long term, I think long term. People just need to get burned and then they'll learn. But the burning is going to be so bad. <laughs> it's going to be so fucking bad, Marty. Like we're already, we're only just seeing the beginnings of it. You know, the ring doorbells are just starting to get installed. The cash is just phasing out. You know, the, the social media is just getting a grip on the youth. You know, it's, it's all, and it's all coming to get like how many, I was driving up north this this last week and a half. I drove past so many cameras on the roads. I was like, we were making our jokes, like our FBI agents like following us around the trip. You know, we're like waving to them on every camera. Um, There's so many cameras on the roads. It's like, you can't, you can't, it's so hard to escape. 
It's a, uh, almost impossible to escape. Are you uh give the middle finger to the easy pass when you drive through guy? I'm a huge middle finger. Well, no, I I hope my FBI agent saw that every time my face wasn't shown. I think I got every camera. <laughs> That's that uh, was that was it was my subtle it was my subtle nod to him. It was they could only see the dispatch. They could only see the Citadel logo. Um you gotta wear a blank hat when you're driving, man. No, I mean it's got a fucking KYC license plate on the front of the fucking vehicle. Like we just <laughs> drive around with KYC and everyone's just completely fucking cool with that. Right. You know, look at the whirlpool capacity. Like it's fantastic that it's at three thousand Bitcoin. Three thousand sixteen. But it should be so much higher. You know, like we haven't shut up about it for fucking three years now. <laughs> you know what that tells me that the freaks you gotta stack harder. No, the mempools, mempools should be fucking crowded with coin joints. <laughs> it should just be all coin joints. Yeah. This we'll, is just real talk. Like I push will get to show. We, we have no choice but to fight. The alternative is that we're just completely fucked. Our children are completely fucked. So we have no choice. That is what keeps me going most often. And also just the freaks are very inspirational. They, you know, there's a bunch of ride or dies out there that actually do care. Yeah. Um, and that's super important. And uh, I'm very grateful for for all the people with us here. Agreed. And I'm grateful for you freaks as well. And yeah, it is one like tolls, man. Easy pass. Easy pass got thrust in New York. You have to have easy pass. You can't even pay with cash anymore to get into the city. Well, now they do the pay by plate. So they just use the built in KYC. Yeah. But where does the toll money go? The roads suck everywhere. <laughs> Down here where I am in we South We have some good roads. They've been doing like fucking parkway construction in this one section for literally like two and a half years now. Where's all this toll money going? I want a fucking itemized receipt of where all this fucking toll money is going. The one thing about the cameras is on the road is I prefer speed fines by camera than cops pulling me over. Oh, no, see, that's one thing I hate. I love to drive fast. Like the I know, of, me too. And I'll pay my upgrade fee. The thought I'll of a drone like getting me for speeding pisses me off. Not a drone. When I was in Iceland, I just drove I just sped everywhere and then I just paid the fine at the end. Like I just paid my speed upgrade fee. What's wrong with driving fast if you're doing it safe? Marty, the idea would be that the speed limits got increased, right? But I'm saying if the alternative is a cop hiding, waiting to pull me over and then pulling me over and then trying to fuck me with all this other fucking shit, um, I prefer just to get mailed the fucking ticket. And the cop car has a fucking camera on it anyway. Like they're reading license plates on the cop cars now too. So reading your text messages too. They have that. Isn't that what Snowden, part of what Snowden revealed? They have those like uh, catch-all machines in the back. With the stingrays? Yeah, that's exactly that. Yeah, they had them at Bitcoin 2021 probably. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. Uh, but most important fight of our lives, even if we feel discouraged sometimes, I think it won't, it's but... important for us to stand the fuck up and say it's not okay. Agreed, 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 agreed. That's why we do this podcast. That's why we meet week in and week out, and we, we cover the subjects that we do because we think it's, like you said, imperative for the future of humanity, our children, grandchildren, 
our, our descendants from here on out. Um, but yeah, no, I do think there is an element of getting caught in the weeds. And I think it's something as we're on this journey to educate about privacy and to, to get more people thinking about this, we also must recognize the particular point in time that we were born in, in our context and history, especially a history if it continues to move forward for centuries with the internet and the digital economy. We are at the very, very, very beginning and arguably living during a time when we've just designed these systems very poorly due to uh, in, uh, unfamiliarity with the, the need to build systems in a particular way, particularly ways that pr preserve privacy. So hopefully we're able to recognize that context, recognize the mistakes we've made and correct them moving forward. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of years in the digital economy moving forward. If we don't fuck up uh, this planet and, and humanity survives. Um, I think that's a, that's an important tidbit to take into consideration as well. Very early, very early in the digital world. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, it's a very optimistic take. Yeah some optimism here on a Thursday night. I think I, the most optimistic thing I'll give you is that I just think as more of our lives become, as more of our lives are harvested and uploaded, the leaks and the hacks and the results of all that shit is just going to get worse and worse and worse until we hit a critical mass and people start really stepping up and taking back the privacy because we already have the tools we have the, the tools are there they could be better but the tools are there and they're being underutilized they're being under supported um you know they're they're they, they're not getting the resources they deserve um i mean that's why we're here right i mean i think i speak for both of us like that i've, I've pretty much dedicated myself to trying to to create create that world or to foster that world to support that world um but we're niche as fuck <laughs> i know that but even in the bitcoin land we're niche as fuck yeah. we're overly emotional privacy advocates over here that was a, a niche the internet was a niche at one point lacrosse was a niche at one point. Um, john fisher saying harvested is a creepy word that's why i keep using it <laughs> yeah right tie these it should be creepy john it should be creepy Got to tie the creepy connotations. Language vernacular is very important uh, in in these things. Narrative battles need these type of negative connotations attached to these nefarious activities. Data harvesting being one of them. We are a fucking crop. They are harvesting us from birth. Yes, they're cattle herding us. They're they're <laughs> they're trying to push us into a neo feudalist state. We must push back. But, but they're not sophisticated enough to seize miners at the border. <laughs> Hey, it's so much easier to do all this surveillance stuff. You just click buttons. You don't have to get up off your ass and actually get physical. I will die on this hill. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, well, and I do want to say um, that I want to thank you for dedicating your life to this. You personally, the the work that you do and the dedication to actually understanding what we're talking about, especially with the, the privacy tech and the implications. I mean, it's much, uh, it is a heartfelt, uh, I appreciate you and the work that you do. 
Well, I appreciate you too, brother. Yeah. I'm just trying my best. I'm just uh your your best is pretty good. It's pretty good, pretty damn good if you ask me. Thank you for doing it. Speaking of privacy, how to retain it, there's different ways to do it on the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, and one aspect of lightning, particularly that um, people are thinking about uh, can help UX and potentially privacy is dual funded channels. Um, our girl Lisa Nugent from Blockstream has been working on the C lightning implementation wrote to the lightning mailing list this week to talk about the trade-offs that come uh, with the dual funded channel protocol um, particularly around UTXO management and privacy. I guess the gist that I picked up from this one is that um, the trade-offs with this dual-funded channel protocol aren't that massive, if, especially if you teach people to manage UTXOs that they <laughs> intend to use for Lightning more specifically. Why are you laughing? I love Lisa. I love Lisa. She's, she's on the board of OpenSats with me. Um, and I've gotten to know her better and I appreciate all the work that she's been doing at Sea Lightning. Um, it's just like, the, the so, so the main argument against interactive dual funded channels is it exposes your UTXOs. Yes. Right. And her main argument, which is correct, is that you have, you have no privacy of your UTXOs when you use Lightning. And she suggests two things. She suggests coin join everything before you put it in a Lightning node and don't connect the Lightning node to your real identity. And 99% of people that are using Lightning aren't doing either of those things. Like if you pay an invoice, you've just connected your Lightning node to your identity. If you, if you give someone an invoice, if you give someone an invoice, I go to Marty. I'm like, Marty, I want some coffee. Or no, you want Marty wants some coffee for me. And I give him my invoice. He knows my lightning node and he knows it's connected to me. Um, if I if I stack sats through strike, strike knows that lightning invoice um, is my node, right? Most people aren't using CoinJoin. So most people that are using Lightning aren't using CoinJoin. Does rendezvous routing help helped us? Like I, why do in my mind do I no, this is different? Well, with if oh, you yes, yes. rendezvous route, right? Right. I don't know your end public node, correct? Right. And also Moon, with two U's, rotates public keys. I don't know how they do it. I don't really understand exactly how there's like some kind of trust relationship going on there. Like a minimal trust. I think they're like almost rendezvousing through Moon's node. Um, but Moon rotates pub keys. But the overwhelming majority of, of people that have been using lightning for the last two years, three years have not done the two things that she said, which is don't connect your node to yourself, which is very hard to do. Like if you have a node for six months, have you exposed the IP addresses anywhere? Have you exposed the invoices anywhere? Like people have, have a lot of trouble not including myself, you know, leaking private data all over the fucking place. We leave. I like, I have, there was like a, a day four months ago or five months ago, I have a fucking tweet about it that only like 25 people liked uh, because, because they understood it. And it was like, I just spent the last, you know, 40 minutes without my VPN on. And I realized that we're fucked and we're never going to have privacy on the internet. <laughs> um, you, you just, you make one mistake. And if you have a long-term lightning node, that lightning node is going to get connected to you. 
Are most people using CoinJoin? No, most people aren't using CoinJoin to fund their nodes. Uh, probably most people are funding their nodes with fucking KYC coins, which is the opposite of CoinJoin. I want to be surprised. All right, outside of Lisa's uh, recommendations for this, do you think... Dual funded channels are a net improvement, which yeah. is the TLDR of what she said. And I agree. I 100% agree. But it's like, the reason I laughed originally is because it's the same thing when like, we have a lightning dev tell us, you know, oh, like you shouldn't open channels with people you don't know. Like all my channels are with people I don't know. Like well, how many channels do I have with people I know? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's the ideal and then there's what happens in practice. Um, what happens in practice is never ideal. Uh, well, I don't want to say never ideal, but not always ideal particularly when it comes to privacy preserving um, your your UTXOs on the Bitcoin blockchain, leaking your IP, your public node. But I think it's getting better. I think it's getting better over time, slowly but surely. Like, Ron, Why am I so bullish on Ron David Rowdy? Am I like crazy for just like spouting? I mean, it sounds good. Alliterations are nice. Yes, alliterations are nice. But I think the concept of hiding your public node, but being able to get funds there, Makes sense to me. I don't know. If it... Right now on Lightning, the sender has significantly better privacy than the receiver. Right? So rendezvous routing is one of many methods that will hopefully be employed to give the receiver some better privacy. Um, on a high level, I am bullish that in the future, Lightning will become more private, not less. I'm bullish. I just... I just think we're like, not only are we not there yet, this UTXO linkage, which is something we've talked a lot about, both on this show and on Dispatch, is a net negative for a lot of people. Like a lot of people linked UTXOs that they wouldn't have linked otherwise because they connected them in the same node. And I like we've had I've had open arms on dispatch. Like open arms basically thinks that your lightning node, if you're if you want privacy, should be like a disposable lightning node. You fund it with like a single, um, and I had Anthony Ronning on the show. He had the whole privacy article. Um, like like you fund it with a single coin join UTXO or a couple coin join UTXOs. You use it for like a month and then you just toss it and set up a new node. Um, and if you do that, you don't have the fee savings because you're constantly opening and closing channels. And this whole reputation system that Bosworth is making at Lightning Labs hates you. Yeah. You know, Lightning Labs wants you to like be like a fully KYC node with like top tier channel peers that are, that your channels have been open forever and they're running on an AWS or whatever, and then you then you have good reputation score. So there's like a divergence in Lightning Land, which is fine; it's an open protocol. Um, but few discuss this, except for us. None trade-offs exist. Lightning Junkies is really good. People should go check. If, if you're really into Lightning, go go check out what Chaz is doing on Lightning Junkies. Shout out Chaz. He's been doing Lightning Junkies for like two years now, too. Yeah, dude's been killing it. I met him in Miami. <laughs> good to meet him. Shout out Chaz. Uh, Strike adds buy and hold support to their app. New functions for Strike users. Good feature ad. Nothing too crazy, right? I, from what Jack says, it's like a setup. Yeah, we're going to link to uh, 
Jack. He literally announced it right before the. Yeah. Soon, and he's saying soon users will be able to buy Bitcoin, get paid in Bitcoin, get rewards in Bitcoin, round up savings in Bitcoin, and much more. He like brings it in line with Cash App on the stacking side. Yeah. Yeah. So they're because before, when you did strike, you had to basically, it was non custodial by default. And I guess a lot of beginners have trouble with that because then they have to manage a secondary wallet. I yeah. thought it was a feature, but it makes sense that beginners have issues with it. Yeah. So they're trying adding more features to the app. Shout out to the strike team doing <laughs> Satoshi's work on the application side and then on the advocacy side. Getting country. We have a freak who just made a good point that I just fucking destroyed my boss score. <laughs> for, for what? For talking about it. Yeah, it's done. It's done. Didn't you talk about it? And then they they made and it. And it boosted up. Yeah, my boss score mostly is based on 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 the thoughts I have on the podcast. <laughs> hey, I don't know what that says about the boss score, but the boss score exists. We already did federated blind lightning mints. Uh, the Iranian government exempts 30 mining operators in the moratorium. All right. So this is getting to your one of your attack vectors. You get the state just allowing certain uh, accepted entities to, to do things that others can't and they can be controlled. Um, so this comes in the aftermath of the Iranian government seizing, I believe it was 7,000 miners last week as you freaks are probably aware of it by now, but if you aren't, I'll make you aware now. Uh, the Iranian government has put a moratorium on mining, four-month moratorium, I believe from the beginning of June to September, uh, through September, uh, because they, they want to lighten the load on the grid over the summer. And so Bitcoin miners on grid, obviously taking electricity away from potential Iranian consumers who need to run their air conditioning. Um, however, it seems like uh, they're letting they're letting a few miners slip through the cracks here and continue mining. Um, so the Ministry of Industries, Mining, and Trade has issued license for 30 crypto mining units, according to the figures published on the ministry's website. Semnan Province accounts for the largest number with six licensed crypto farms. Albors Province has four, followed by Mazandaran, East Azerbaijan, and Zanjan provinces. East Azerbaijan. There's an Azerbaijan province in Iran. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Did you see Baku is hosting uh, Euro 2022? Did not see that. Shout out to Baku. Shout out to Azerbaijan. He's just a very effective dictator. He's got F1. He's got Euro. It's, you just pay to play. You just make it happen. Yourself on the map. Murad, Masir, where are you? Are you listening? I've been trying to get in touch with them. I can't find them. I can't find them either. If you're listening, reach out to me, guys. Please miss you. Um, you know what really triggers me while we're at it? The the and triggering's weak. I shouldn't get triggered by it. But Euro 2020 in 2021. Yeah, no, that triggers me too. Just make it 2021. Please. But my lady made a good point. You think they like, printed all the merch already? Yeah, that's a good. That point. was probably why, right? That was a good point. They were like, "Fuck, we have like 500,000 shirts." <laughs> that uh that switzerland france game the other day was pretty lit the ukraine the ukraine uh match was fucking crazy i had to do dispatch during the extra time yeah that was uh 
I mean, I love these tournaments, but yeah, the the whole 2020 thing, it pit, it's like I'm watching. I'm like, this is infuriating. Just make but it's it. definitely the merch. It was it, usually you follow the incentives. It's usually the money. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, <laughs> I was a, I'm actually happy you said that because I was. I was <laughs> every but, time. Every time, I'm like ah, figured by that as well. It's 2021. <laughs> you excited for the Olympics? Um, not really. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I like all this shit. I just wish it was easier to bet Bitcoin on this shit. Sportsbet.io. It's not that good. Nitrogen Sports is better. Nitrogen Sports as well. But I was hoping for like a more trust minimized option. Like that's just you just send it to a custodial. Ben, provider. Ben, get the DLCs ready. We fucking need the DLCs for this. We have uh, a ride or die freak, Rob Hamilton, who, by the way, I met in Miami as well. Um, yeah. That his, his great cigars. Thank you for the cigar, Miami. His new favorite theory is that Marty and Matt are both spooks, but deep undercover in different agencies, so they don't know that the other is a spook. <laughs> We're spooking each other. We don't even know it. I'm with the ATF. That would be classic. That I'm w- with the CCP. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're both spooks trying to get each other. Should we talk about taxes? Texas? Taxes. I'd be happy to talk about Texas. What do you want to talk about Texas? I don't know. Austin uh, BitDevs is coming up. Well, Houston, uh, Parker started the Houston meetup. Or no, Parker did not start that. Al's lacrosse. I got to give him... um, uh, credit where credit is due. That dirtbag started the Houston meetup, and Parker's uh, looking to turn it up. He was down there last week, I believe, and he's uh, he called me last week, and he he's got big plans for the Texas Triangle, Dallas, Austin, Houston. Um, he's very excited for for us to move down there. Uh, he's going to be dragging me on road shows across Texas. Apparently, that's something I have to look forward to when I get there. So, do you know the dates? Because I just got tagged and I retweeted Parker tagged July me. Fifteenth, sixteenth is Bit Devs, and then Houston's after the twenty fourth, I think. Yeah, I'm super excited for Bit Block Boom. It's sneaking up. Um, go back to Miami in three weeks. There's a mining conference I have to go to. Like, oh. All right, what's it called? It sounded very shitcoiny. Mining disrupt. It seems very shitcoin. Mining the the disrupt part is like a shitcoin uh, keyword. I'll be back. Um, yeah, I saw Storms uh, mention that. Um, so what was I going to say? We missed one thing on the list. Uh, Binance added the travel rule tool. Yeah, we're, Cypher we're Trace. Way down the list. This is the last. The last. Oh, time. oh yeah. My bad. Well, it was because we did the LinkedIn already. Yeah. So I was confused. Yeah. Go on with Binance. They're talking. I mean, this is the travel rule. We've been talking about the travel rule, right? So now they have this new tool. From CypherTrace that automatically can tell if you're sending to like another custodian, another regulated custodian in the CypherTrace portfolio. Is CypherTrace a Bitfury's thing? No, they're they're Peach or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's like some stupid fucking name. Uh, I think yeah, it's like Peach or Daisy or something. But anyway, they can automatically tell if you're sending to another custodial exchange, and then. Um, they can determine they can automatically share the sender and receiver information and like so which account you're sending to on the exchange and who's sending it all right now uncle marty's getting angry 
<sighs> these fucking companies are just like catering to this bullshit fucking regulation, particularly the travel rule. The name of this product that CypherTrace is offering Binance is called Traveler. Who the fuck is in this marketing department? Can you get a little bit more creative, please? You're just gonna. I thought it was a good name. All things considered, you're just gonna name it after the fucking <laughs> travel rule. You're just gonna call it traveler. How about standing up and saying this rule is fucking stupid? I mean, it's their business model to make sure that this this rule gets yeah, worse <sighs> rather than better. Um, we also had like the FCA kind of pushed hard against Binance this week. Um, the British authorities. Yeah, first it seemed like they were banning Binance outright. Then it seemed like it was just derivatives and leverage products. Um, and then the main deposit withdrawal network of Binance in the UK went down. And they said it was like technical difficulties. Cybertech? No, it wouldn't be. As, I'm not insinuating Cybertech. Cyber I'm insinuating like government crackdown. <laughs> um, but yeah. I mean, I don't think... Uh, it's also it's been a little quiet on the regulatory front. If you like, we haven't talked to AMLD five. It's okay because all these governments are just so inept to do anything of significance. I don't even know why we talk about them. <laughs> Nuance, Matt. I'm gonna die on this fucking hill. <laughs> Stop evoking that term that 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 our boy Jack Mahler's brought up. Oh. You can die on this hill. I'm, you can die on whatever hill you want to die on, Marty. I'm fine with it. You're no, free to I'll die on your hills. Or another. I'm gonna choose. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, we the freaks want us to talk about this samurai thing. Yeah, well, I've been waiting for you to bring it up. Like, what the hell's going on? The flame. I don't really think it needs to be discussed. They're building a atomic swamp functionality. Swamp. Swamp. <laughs> atomic swap from Bitcoin to Monero, or vice versa. Is it Monero to Bitcoin? It's both. Yes. Is so atomic swap. So right now, right now, um, you have the three. You have the four whirlpool pools, right? You have the fifty million sats. You have the five million sats. You have the one million sats, and then you have the hundred k sats pools. Under hundred k sats, you have toxic change. So you have. A bunch of UTXOs that are sitting underneath the 100K sats amount, right? If you link those together, it hurts your privacy. It links them together. Um, and it links any history that they have together. So you don't want to link them together. Um, so what happens is, in practice, a privacy-seeking user who's using Samurai Stack has a bunch of of, of UTXOs that are smaller than 100K sats. So what those users do is either threefold. They either sit on the UTXOs, which I don't love because I think that there'll actually be a fee market in the future, but maybe I'm wrong. You know, Maybe we'll just have one sapper byte in perpetuity. Um, but I expect there to be a fee market. So if you're sitting on these small UTXOs... Become dust. Yeah, they're going to get more and more expensive percentage-wise if you sit on them too long. Mm -hmm. The second thing you can do is you play like some ridiculous game where you're going into lightning and custodial lightning and you're moving them around and you're going all over. And there's just plenty of places where you can make mistakes. It's not a very simple process, right? The third way is you go through one of these custodial swap services a la Shapeshift, but Shapeshift 
doesn't do it anymore. But if if like a flip.me or a fixed float or uh, one, one of those, like there's a, there's a bunch of different swap services that are custodial. You send them Bitcoin and then they send you another coin and then you swap back, right? An atomic swap doesn't have that custodial risk element mixed into it. So from my understanding, the plan is to make it easy for a Samurai user to swap into Monero and then swap back out to Bitcoin with minimal third-party risk in a relatively straightforward fashion without having Monero in Samurai Wallet so that you can deal with that toxic change that's under 100K sats in a privacy-preserving way. The fourth option, I guess, is you could go into Liquid and you could do a bunch of confidential transactions and come out. But the problem is there's like six people using Liquid. So that's why you can't do that. Well, yeah, I guess the controversy, I've just been following it loosely on Twitter over the last few days. I, I guess the knock that people have for the Samurai team is like, why not implement Liquid? <clears throat> why not liquid implement Lightning? Um, Obviously, it's the flame wars never end. They're exhausting. But the thing is, the reason this is bullshit is because there wasn't a single samurai user who was complaining. Yeah. There's not a single. There's not a single sat in that three thousand Bitcoin uh, unspent capacity. Three thousand sixteen. That complained about it. Everyone who complained oh. about it wasn't using samurai. <laughs> like then uh I stay out of it. You guys can do whatever you want. Samurai, the detractors, you can say whatever you want. As long as privacy is improving. That's all I care about at the end of the day. And then the whole like bitching back and forth to Twitter is exhausting. And it's not a good look. I'll just say that. It's just not a good look on either party or either participant in, in the flame wars said it many times in the past, I think it does more harm than good and just confuses the fuck out of people. Um, but you can't stop it. Individuals are individuals are going to do what they want. They have free will. And the way they express that free will uh, differs and has consequences. So, But if you want to put like liquid or lightning into Samurai Wallet, you can fork the wallet and add it. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to dictate the... I was trying to put forth the... Um, the, the counterpoint that um, all the paid shills uh, we're, we're putting forth. The ironic thing is, is the samurai devs don't believe, I'm not going to, they disagree with me that fees will increase substantially. Really? Surprising. So, so there's really no rush to combine unless you need to use them right away. Um, I think fees will increase. I'll, I will I do gently well. collapse on this hill. Um, the <laughs> and if fees if fees increase, that means we need a privacy preserving way to combine small UTXOs, and we don't have that right now. So I would like Lightning teams, Liquid teams, Monero teams to fucking work on that use case. That's a use case that is very useful to me and is very useful to the freaks. Channel so fact. a lot of small UTXOs. Yeah and allow me to click a button 
and privacy preserving, let it run for like 10 hours, two days, five days. I don't fucking care how long and let it combine my UTXOs in a privacy preserving manner. That would be a massive benefit to me as a Bitcoin user. And I imagine it'd be a massive benefit to many of the freaks that are seeking privacy while using Bitcoin. I agree. I agree with that. Again, I'm optimistic that these things will get figured out. I know Matt, <laughs> I know you hate the, uh, you wave a wand and then like the stuff gets figured out. I'm not waving a wand. I'm saying the, the observation of this, technology across the board improving and increasing privacy um, is a trend that has been true I would argue up to this point and I think it will continue into the future um, a lot of this interweek banter about particular features of particular wallets will just be uh, destined for the dustbins of history where nobody really thinks about it but we're trending to in the right direction, I would argue. Look, I would like to see more wallets support full node support. I would like to see more wallets add easy to use coin control and labeling. I would like to see more wallets implement some kind of coin join, some kind of pay join. I would like to see more wallets add some kind of BIP47 support, some kind of donation support. What is what? Um, so people can accept donations in a privacy preserving manner, payments in a privacy preserving manner. Um, I think mobile wallets are the future. I think there's going to be very few Salvadorians that aren't using mobile wallets. Like that's what they'll be using. Um, as Bitcoin goes into Africa, the overwhelming majority of people are going to be using mobile wallets. Um, these are the directions I see these things going in. And I think the samurai team has been leading on a lot of those, on, in a lot of those facets. And it's interesting to me how much shit they fucking get um, when the overwhelming majority of people are coming in through KYC. They're completely doxing everything um, and they're practicing no privacy best practices whatsoever. So um, if you want to nitpick how Samurai does it, fine. But uh, there's no better mobile wallet. It's the best mobile wallet when it comes to privacy. So... I would co-sign that pretty confidently. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to deny that fact. I mean, if, if you've used the wallet, if you've used Whirlpool, if you've used Ronin Dojo, I mean, it's a pretty robust suite. Uh, it works. The stack is great now. Yeah. It works fantastic. Yeah. Oh, God, the flame wars, though. The flame wars. I'm sick of them. I'll never Look, most of my favorite people are complete assholes on Twitter. <laughs> uh, complete. <laughs> it's not even good. It's not even worth it. But Marty agrees with me. I do. I, I mean, they're pretty massive assholes, but code talks at the end of the day, right? Both the Samurai devs, by the way, were on Bitcoin Enemies recently. So you should go listen to that, people. Go check that out. Go check it out. It was like last week or something like that. We're done with the list. I wanted to bring up one more thing. Uh-oh. <clears throat> yeah, I wrote about it <laughs> yesterday. But it's just like a growing trend and like something that was very predictable. And obviously something I've been very passionate about in the last six months, particularly with... Great American Mining podcast, and I've 
and it's bled into this podcast as well is the the move towards unreliable electricity grids in the United States driven by hysterical people who don't understand how energy is produced and delivered and the benefits that it provides humanity overall and yesterday in New York a bunch of citizens of the city of New York were were sent emergency alerts and asked them to reduce their electricity consumption to to unplug some things uh, to to mitigate a blackout in the city and this comes literally three months after uh, the decommissioning of the Indian Point nuclear facility on the Hudson, which was providing a massive amount of reliable energy to the city of New York. And uh, when you decommission reliable energy sources without replenishing that energy generation after that decommissioning, you're going to have uh, electricity supply issues. And it's happening in New York City, which is supposed to be a world-class city. Um <laughs> There have the potential for rolling brownouts, blackouts because of some stupid fucking policy from the state to shut down a completely reliable energy facility in the Indian Point nuclear power plant. Um, it's a shame to see uh, these policies affect the poor people the most. Uh, it, it increases electricity prices for them, and uh, they arguably need electricity reliability more than others for health reasons um, and you're just having virtue signaling governors like Andrew Cuomo shut down these completely safe and reliable energy sources for political reasons and it's having a material effect on the people of New York State particularly the people of New York City in this instance um, very predictable it's a very simple equation if you decommission that power generation and don't replenish it, you're going to have yeah, yeah. electricity supply issues. It's a pretty obvious dunk. Um, <laughs> the there was a I first of all co-signed what you said. Um, there was a couple of things to add on there. I think um, first off, the reason the hard code's there is up the first <laughs> the first off like if we had a proper free market in electricity, these things would be priced appropriately so that we wouldn't have to. Uh, tell people, you know, don't use electricity. Like if you can't afford it, you don't use it. Like if that's what markets are there for, right? Like markets should price it appropriately instead of, you know, having it so cheap that you run out. Um, that's one thing. The second thing is this happened, even though the New York City population is completely decimated and presumably electric usage, even in the seat wave, um, is significantly less than it was like la or two years ago, I guess, like if it was the same heat wave, right? Um, so that just shows how fucked up the situation is. And then the third thing that pissed me off is, you know, on our phones, we have the three different alerts. You have the presidential alert. And there's like five different alerts. You have like the presidential alert. You have the extreme alert. Then you have the severe alert. Then you have, I think, like a weather alert. Let me let me pull it up exactly what the alerts are. Um, and then you have the amber alert is one of them. The amber, so you have presidential alerts, extreme threats, severe threats, amber alerts, public safety messages, state and local tests. Um, those are the different alert levels. They used extreme threat. So like second below presidential alerts, like they literally cried wolf. 
Like that was like, I can disable that on my phone. Like if you do that again, I will disable that on my fucking phone. Like you're, you're playing with fucking fire. That's fucking ridiculous. That that's an, the extreme alert is that you're telling me to turn off my AC in the middle of a heat wave. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? First of all, no one did it when they got the fucking alert. And second of all, it's, it's just fucking annoying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So my favorite, not some of my favorite situation, but like a, a funny situation is like when you're on the subway or you're walking, uh, everybody gets the emergency alert. Like, oh my god, what's going on? It's like uh, and they hit you with an amber alert at like three in the morning and you're sleeping. It's like I'm not going to see the silver Toyota while I'm like <laughs> laying in bed. <laughs> what do you expect? Everybody jump out of bed like start manhunting for these silver Toyotas. But anyway, on Calix, you can actually turn off presidential alerts. On stock Android, you can't. Didn't Trump send out like a? No, the people were worried that he was going to. Then he, was he never actually did a presidential alert or something like that. I don't think he did. No, there was a, the Hawaii. They told him they were about to get hit by a nuke. Oh, yeah, it's a pretty big. And thing. that was incorrect. Yeah. Yeah, and then the aftermath of that, they were like interviewing like the guy in charge of it, and he had his username and password on a post-it note on his computer. Uh, our 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 systems are secure. And they're secured by smart people. That's why we're going to see more ransomware, Marty. Yeah, way more. Yeah, but the uh, you freaks have heard me give this spiel, but like people don't understand energy systems, grid systems, the immense amounts of utility and economic positive economic development that uh, being able to harness utilize and deliver energy has provided humanity over the last 250 years specifically or not 250 uh yeah about 250 since like 1850 or <laughs> wow 100 and 170 years god damn it marty um an immense amount of utility value flourishing ex- extended life ex- expectancy better health better education better quality of life overall that has been afforded to us due to reliable energy sources and reliable grids. And for some reason or another, at this particular juncture in human history, uh, virtue signaling is at an all-time high, and we're literally shooting ourselves in the foot as a society to virtue signal about energy consumption. It's fucking completely asinine stupid and will be looked back upon and laughed at viscerally and vehemently um, decades from now. Um, fight for reliable energy and grits. Like, we should have nuclear all over the place. The fact uh, that decommissioned uh, that plant and now there's like, then they're blaming it on global warming. It's fucking infuriating. <laughs> it's like, no, you fucking shut down this plant. That <laughs> many megawatts of energy every day and you didn't fucking replace it. That's why you're having problems right now. So two things. First of all, we have ride or die freak Neil in the comments mentioning that Marty was correct. The presidential alert was used once. Uh, If you saw me clicking around, I was seeing what it was used for. It was used for a test, but it was used in 2018. Um, so they did send it out, but he didn't actually continue to there was I remember there was like all this controversy that if he got banned from Twitter, he was just gonna start tweeting out through the <laughs> uh, we never hit that point. Um the second thing is, I mean, a freak mentioned in here, and you kind of went along with it a bit, 
and I'm starting to, I thought it was like kind of unrealistic, but now after that alert and kind of where they're going, um, do you think like the next step is going to be like climate lockdowns? Like, oh, uh, yeah. uh, I've, I've, you need to turn off your AC, use less yeah. car or whatever. Vehicle. They're posturing like it at the world economic forum and other of those large think tank entities. Do you think it could be too difficult for them to pull that off? Like that seems like kind of a sophisticated thing that, for them to have to do. Well, that'll be, that's where I'm hoping the masses are like, all right, fuck this. Like I'm not fucking turning off my electric, my, my, uh, my AC. Like what, what are you talking about? Like, I hope that's the point at which people are like, stand up. Like, right, it's completely, we've gone completely off the rails. Like we're not doing this anymore. That's what I hope. Um, whether or not that materializes, we shall see, but yet yeah, no, they're posturing. They want to do climate lockdowns. I actually off the record with uh, a guest I had on the great American podcast. Uh, one of the guests I had, I can't, give any descriptors to dox this person um they obviously didn't want to share this publicly but they're pretty convinced that energy lockdowns are next um covid lockdowns test run um they're going to spin up the climate change narrative the, the climate crisis narrative if you will we actually have evidence of that the project veritas with the cnn cto guy um basically saying all right after covid we're going to climate crisis um and yeah they're going to try to do climate lockdowns they're going to try and stop you from driving your car and using your electricity um but the ccp can't stop you from shipping asics out of your borders all right i'm gonna fucking die on this hill <laughs> literally have to uh, physically like, that's, that's the other thing like in the physical world they'd have to go do you think electric prices would go up they, yeah electricity prices are gonna go up that's got to be the first step right yeah that's like seems like the softest, softest, easiest way. And you don't just like raise electricity prices. You decommission these reliable energy sources and just natural course of supply and demand. And you artificially decrease supply for quote unquote reasons. And it's kind of demand's going to stay static and price is going to go up. Like it's. It's what they're doing. I mean, it's just like you literally see they're doing it all over the place. California, Texas, New York. Like it's I mean, I think electric prices should increase. Why? Because they're subsidized right now. They're too cheap in, in certain areas. In, no. the, in in heavy residential areas, they're too cheap. They're they're government subsidi subsidized, so it's not a proper free market. Like I would like to see a proper free market in water and electricity. I I mean for I can't speak to the subsidies in rural America. I'm not well versed on that. I'm but. talking about more. I'm talking dense America. I'm talking about like residential America. Like I don't think they're priced appropriately in New York City or especially water. Water is like way too cheap in New York City right now. All right. I won't speak to water. I will speak to electricity. The goal should be to drive electricity prices down as low as possible. Which is that. Well, obviously. That should be the goal, but we consume a lot, right? So there should be a market. I think there should be a market that dictates the price. Natural, like if we do, if we just ripped off the red tape around nuclear, that's like the most prohibitive cost of nuclear right now. The per is the red tape from regulation and all that stuff. It literally is just adds cost to the development of these nuclear facilities that makes it uneconomical. So that's, Wait, the, that's the thing, right? The regulatory 
if you had a free market, the prices would go up and then that would justify, you know, new nuclear plants, right? Like the problem, like one of the things they talked about with Indian River was the prices were too low, right? CapEx wouldn't be loaded with all this regulatory compliance bullshit. Of course, the the regulatory shit is, is one thing as well. But that's what I'm saying. Like if you had... If you actually had market prices, the market prices going up would bring more supply into the market as a market should work. No, I mean, the the point is very straightforward, very simple. We have an abundance of energy resources like natural gas, oil, nuclear, even wind, solar, if you want to add those to the mix. Um, An insane amount of energy um, that, that is completely untapped. Like in New York, another example, New York, New York banned fracking in the Marcellus Shale. You can't even get natural gas in New York. They're literally, and that was the plan when they decommissioned the the Indian power, point, uh, power plant, Indian Point power plant, excuse me, that was providing nuclear. Uh, they planned to replace that with natural gas uh, power plants. They're not like it's so asinine. They're gonna have to ship all the fucking natural gas in from out of state because they banned fracking of natural gas in state. So eliminate the like fracking jobs in state, decommission the nuclear, <laughs> build up these natural gas power plants, and then import all that natural gas from out of state. Like it's just completely fucking stupid and like literally destroying jobs, destroying reliable energy. And then making it more expensive because you have to ship it in from either Pennsylvania, Ohio, or West Virginia. <laughs> when you have immense amounts of natural gas under the ground in New York, you can literally provide jobs and have a more direct source of energy. Um, well, I mean, I think long term, all this shit will just work itself out, right? Like people just get burned. And yeah. Then, uh, I mean, it's happening right now. I mean, do a move, pay with their wallet, you know, you pay with their wallets. Blackouts in New York City for like three or four days. Well, I'll tell you one thing. The Ethereum security model does not call call for that. They do <laughs> not, they, they, they do not uh, expect that to happen anywhere. Oh, there's going to be a lot of slashed stakers. <laughs> You're not going to want to stake in New York City. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think. I, I mean, I would hope that New York residents wouldn't stand for that, but we'll see, you know. But unfortunately, the way our systems work is that they take a while, you know, there's it's, the, the feedback loop's not that strong, right? So it, like, takes a little bit for... It's, it, yeah, these, these places are going to have to go through dark periods yeah. before they enter the light afterwards. Yeah, agreed, agreed. California, I got no hope for California, though. They're going to... The only state that's worse than New York right now. Yeah. <sighs> beware, freaks. Beware. Beware. Be passionate about this. Reliable, cheap energy uh, correlates very tightly with human flourishing. Something we should push for and fight for. That was a rip. That was a hell of a rip. It's a good rip, Marty. We're two hours in. I got a little back and forth. I got a hill I'm going to die on now. I'm going to like... Those spooks... Cautiously pass out on a mound. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. Should we end? Did up? you see uh, Brian Armstrong tweeted out the Lex Friedman? Oh, uh, God, dude. Charles Hoskinson. Uh, I get blocked by Lex. What'd you say to him? 
Oh, I mean, I was pretty harsh. What'd you say? I didn't catch it. I was like, usually when people make their brand on being smarter than you, they're fucking idiots or something like that. But the cool part about the comment was you didn't know if I was talking about him or Charles Hoskinson. Yeah. You could probably apply it to both of them. He probably thought I was applying it to him, which is why he blocked me. Yeah. Toxic motherfucker. Um, I don't think I used fucking. I think I was a little bit more Gentile. Yeah. Gentle. Right. Gentle. I was like the, the Christian. I think I'm considered a Gentile. But he, I, uh, he can go fuck himself. Yeah. You Brian know? Armstrong, like, what the fuck? No, Brian, I think he believes it, right? He thinks it was a good interview. He listened to the interview and he was like, this was a good interview. If we're talking spooks, like like Brian Armstrong, number one on my list. Like, like spook in the sense that like just confused the fuck out of everybody. I, don't, I think he's just an idiot. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case either. I think it's bullish. I mean, dude. Because he's representative of so much money in the space. So much dumb money. Like if we're right. A16Z just raised a $2.2 billion fund, dude. They have no idea what's coming. <sighs> and then he was uh, he was trying to rationalize the inclusion of shit coins. That's that's like the whole Eric Voorhees argument. Like if we're really free market libertarians, like all these coins should have the right to exist and compete on merit. Which I agree. But like um, don't don't like call us toxic maximalists or like all this shit is fucking stupid. None of it needs a blockchain and none of it competes with Bitcoin in any realm in terms of monetary properties or distribute distribution of decentralization of the network. I'm, you know, I'm completely for open monetary competition. Um, I think Cardano will lose that open monetary competition. I think it's a complete fucking garbage project. And I think Lex Friedman spent four hours with five, this guy. Five hours. On his own fucking platform. He's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. Like that should haunt him. And I hope it haunts him for a long fucking time. I do. Um, Marty, we have uh, Robert Hamilton saying that the Bitcoin Mining Council just released their Q2 energy report saying it's 58% green energy. Sailor tweeted it out 28 minutes ago. You heard it here first. Bitcoin Mining Council is confirming it's 58% green energy. What is green energy, though? Are the solar panels green that take slave labor and coal to produce? What about those wind turbines that take a bunch of cobalt rare earth minerals? Is that green? What is green? Stop falling into this fucking green ESG narrative. It's fucking stupid. They don't care how much green energy we're using. They care that they can't control Bitcoin. They'll never care. They'll never care. You could use 100%. You could fucking power the Bitcoin network on the farts of cows only, and people wouldn't give a fuck. They want control over this network. These people don't care how much green energy. Bull had an interesting stat. It was like it's like all Bitcoin mining is less than 1% of energy consumption. Who cares? Like, yeah, it's less than 1% of energy consumption, but like, stop falling into the moralization of energy. That seems like a pretty big fact. Conversion. Like, who cares? Like, we're using energy to produce hashes, to produce blocks and bitcoins that get distributed to those miners. People fucking, people fucking charge their dildos and do that hedonistic shit. 
Go I don't it. know why you're getting so worked up about this. I mean, they're not sophisticated to do anything about it anyway. Huh. Who? Who's we? The dildo users? <laughs> no, the, the mining council. Yeah. That's yeah, whatever. I've resigned myself to the fact that the mining council is going to do what they do. I'm going to do what I do. You're going to do what you do. We're all going to do what we do. We all have our tactics. We all have our theses. See you on the field. I'm not going to waste my time trying to convince the world that Bitcoin's green enough. I think it's a, a losing battle at the end of the day. So, Marty, tomorrow we have the difficulty adjustment. And I wouldn't be surprised if it happens after mid-90s coast tomorrow. Okay, so... At this rate, let's see when the last block was produced. There's been, like, a lot of two-hour, one-hour... Would you say, like, fuckery? I was a block produced a minute and 50. Is that no. the word you're looking for? Or? No, I just think a lot of hash rates come off the network and yeah, 135 blocks away. The hash rate might have come off the network, but it's landing in good hands according to Marty's phone calls. So don't worry about it, freaks. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Do you think the freaks should be sourcing miners right now for home no KYC mining? Like that's a good actionable advice that they should. Actionable doing, advice right? on miner acquisition. I think you have six months. Uh, I don't think so. I think this is going to be like the no two month holy grail period to get miners. Yeah, I mean it's, it's it started. I mean we've seen, dude. We were seeing like in. April, May, getting quotes from manufacturers like $111 a terahash. It's fallen to like $40 a terahash. Right? It's insane. Free fall. Absolute free fall right now. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we hit mid-30s. Are you sourcing yourself right now? Yeah. we are a little village by the sea, I mean? Um, I mean, I work for Great America. I mean, Great America. still Marty. I play. No, my goal, my goal I'm is my, I'm in my father-in-law's bedroom with a fucking green screen right now. If I plugged in a fucking ASIC and what's the kilowatt hours in your village by the sea? Uh, we have natural gas down here. I wouldn't be surprised if we're paying like seven cents. Neil said every no, you're paying way higher than that. 18. You're paying way higher than that. New York City is like 21 cents. We're not we're not paying 21 cents. Like I said. Sub, suburbs of New York is like 1718. We have a nuclear power plant actually not too far from here either. So we have like a mix of nuclear and natural gas down here. Well, I'm curious. I mean, I feel like Marty, that's just sad that you don't know what kilowatt hour is being paid in your in, in the place you've been. I worry about I worry about the all in kilowatt hour on, on the oil fields. That's all I care about. Um, well, the Neil was saying that he thinks that the S9s at current price. Why buy an S9 though? I would buy one sec. The S9 is a current you, price could recoup at twenty four cents. Because it is right now, I'd go new gen over S9 because you can run. Yeah, the- you should get like a what's miner and just run into the fucking ground for the next five years. Yeah, exactly. Six years or something. The S9s and yeah, get like an M31 or M20. Yeah, I would go M31, M20, like S19. Depending on your price point. Yeah, but how like, much money you can put up? I think that ROI on that would be better than the S9. It depends on what your time horizon is. If you have a longer than a one and a half, two year time horizon, I'd get newer gen models, especially at these prices. I'm going to build a. I'm, I'm right. Oh, 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 little tease there. Little tease. The freaks, the freaks, the freaks should be considering sourcing 
if if consensus is correct correct and hash is actually leaving the basics right now and it'll pay dividends over the next couple of years um four or five years and it's all kyc free so consider it yeah i would definitely consider it i think we have more than two months um Again, a lot of these Chinese miners are playing chicken. They're like, oh, like we're going to hold it in the warehouse, wait, like see how things go. On top of that, you have Bitmain, MicroBT. Bitmain did come out last week and say they were going to halt production of some of their newer S19J models, I believe, just due to the glut of supply that's at the market. Um, and they referenced the secondary market prices specifically in that announcement. But if you look at the um, the lease space that MicroBT and Bitmain have on the foundries where they produce their chips. There's going to, I mean, they're going to have to either sell that space or uh, use that rented time to produce ASICs that they're going to have to sell. I think um, considering the capacity constraints that exist outside of China, Again, people aren't going to be able to take these miners on right away. It's going to take a year, 18 months. Um, in the meantime, some of those individual mining operations are going to have to make hard decisions, one of which is going to be to liquidate their ASICs to save some capital. Um, yeah, I think we're going to have a relatively depressed market for ASICs or for a bit. I would say at least six months. Really, Marty? I think so. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, but what? Like, do you think the price is going to be bearish? No. So that's the other thing. It's, it's like so historically, the price of these A six has been tied very tightly to the price of Bitcoin. But I think we will have a temporary disconnection of that correlation. Um, just the, the amount of A six on the market that aren't plugged in is is too high. I think we could see a disconnection in that that historical correlation. But if the price goes up and difficulty goes down, the profitability for the miners is going to be fucking crazy. Yeah. Right. So, so I mean, why would it? Why would it lag for six months? Because there's literally not enough capacity to plug them in, like in places with. So the pleb miner has an advantage because, yeah. like, I have an outlet that's right there. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas like out of Marriott operations are like, Hey, we need to place 200 megawatts worth of machines and companies here in the U S and other places abroad are like, all right, we can get you that. But a year from now we have to build out the substation to actually take on that amount of machines. Um, that takes time that, that infrastructure to take on that electrical, um, demand. It's pretty crazy. Cause fucking two months ago, it was, we were at all time hash. All-time high hash every day, like every week, all-time high hash. And you couldn't get a miner. It was like impossible to source shit. It's insane how quickly it can change. It's and then in five weeks, we've just got a nonstop double-digit difficulty adjustments. We're going to have the largest downward difficulty adjustment ever. Price is down 50%. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's just, it's... This shit is why I'm here. This is so super right? exciting. Like it's, it's awesome, right? It's right? It's insane. Change like ah. 
not gonna lie, a little excuse me, a little uh, inside baseball, Great American Mining. We were like, holy shit, dude, we're gonna have to pay like we were thinking that this summer we were gonna have to pay like hundred forty dollars a terash for for some equipment. Like that's the way it was. Tra- that's why I don't think the dip is gonna be as long as as you think it's gonna be. Well, yeah, there's a, there's so there is the steel man this. Like once it hits a certain, like if it hits thirty five dollars a terahash, you're gonna see. What Leo said, you just fucking borrow money and you just yeah. buy the Asics and you yeah. put them in a warehouse waiting to plug them in. Yeah, exactly. And you're gonna see, especially the publicly traded miners here have access to immense amounts of capital. They'll start pulling the trigger and pulling that stuff off. That's why I don't. I think it's gonna be way shallower than people think. Okay. I think people. Be, I think the window is very small. I, I also think people will be be punching themselves for not stacking in the 30s. Yeah, keep stacking, freaks. This consolidation is pretty insane. Michael Barry deleted his Twitter because we didn't. Uh, no, he got in trouble. I think from the SEC for his Bitcoin tweets. No, because he he was like talking about um, that it was just unsustainable. He was talking about like Fed printing and shit. And that that everything was. I think he. I think he got like censored. On the wrist for that. I think so. Damn. I, w- that, I wish Michael Barry was on our team. I'd love to have him on our team. He he'll be. Him. Just the next cycle. Yeah. He's a cycle away. It's an expensive cycle away. Everyone finds us at their time. Did you see? Uh, we had like the Wolf of Wall Street guy was like <sighs> reading Bitfinex's uh, tweets, basically. <laughs> He was, he was tether. He Jordan was the tether truther. Jordan Belfort is a t- tether truther now. Yeah, that's that's free service. Oh, you mentioned it earlier, and I wanted to comment on it, but forgot to. Like, it is crazy that the mining death spiral uh, narrative has not been as loud as one would expect. Yeah, no one's saying the mining death spiral thing. Where Ari Paul? Where are you? Well, he blocked me, so he might be saying it. Yeah. Uh. That's the thing. Like, if I wish I had a list of the people, I I need to try and figure out who has me blocked to make a list, because they're in great company. It's just like all the worst of the worst. <laughs> Matt's making list freaks. Better not be on it. You better unblock them if you haven't blocked. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. I. Uh, It's interesting. It's interesting times we live in. I'm glad no one's like freaking out about death spiral because that is literally why the difficulty adjustment exists. Yeah. Um, I do wish that people were a little bit more concerned about the hash being pulled. I'll be a little bit more concerned. I'll, I'll have my my antenna peaked. I'll be looking out for this. I'll be asking my connects like, "Hey, are they letting you ship this stuff?" I'll start asking that question. Have you actually seen? Have Have you guys received? You received large amounts of ASICs. The Great American Mind, I mean, our priority is not hosting the, the Chinese machines right now, um, maybe in the future, but um, we, we have talked to a lot of these individuals to see what the opportunity may be like. And like what I've seen a lot is like these large public companies, right? They're not even, they're not even sourcing the used ASICs. They're taking advantage of the price dump to source brand new ones from what's what's minor and bit well, right that's the um that's the move by the chinese miners as well is uh, they have a bunch of older generation hardware running in china and sichuan and in inner mongolia wherever their operations were a lot of that hardware was uh old gen 
has been running for quite a while. And so the move that they're doing, and so this actually is a data point that would maybe give you a bit of a peace of mind. And they're simply rerouting the shipment of the newer model miners that they're getting from the manufacturers to the U S instead of China. And that shipment origination is not in China. It's in like Taiwan and Malaysia, um, Thailand and Malaysia, excuse me. Um, so that's a bit of a curbing function to the ability of the CCP to uh, prevent that stuff from getting shipped. It's going to be shipped from outside of China um, from the manufacturing plants that, that exist in Malaysia and Thailand. So what's happening to the hash in China? They're, I mean, it's old gen, so they're just turning it off and maybe they'll try and sell it on a secondary market. Um, okay. Maybe they'll try and ship it over. But the priority is the new gen stuff that hasn't been delivered yet. It's like, all right, that's going to be the most profitable once it hits the market. Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, exactly. I want like fresh off the factory floor. Yeah. At a discount. Well, it's the discounts here. Start buying. Chinese manufacturers, if you're trying to get me to stop fudding, just send me free hardware and then maybe I will. I might be able to get you an ASIC or two. How many are you looking for? Um, you know, I've never minded my life. So just something for a, a humble, a humble miner that's never mined before. Okay. All right. That's good. Uh, um, Marty, I love you. This was a great rip. Love you too, brother. Incredible rip. Very educational. A lot going on right now. Very, uh, historic time in the Bitcoin network. We're going to have the, the largest difficulty adjustment ever downward, at least. Um, at some point in the next couple of days, uh, all is quiet on the regulatory front, which is like a little uh, disconcerting. You know, I guess something's just going to come out of nowhere and be like, uh, "We didn't talk about the the Senate hearings this week." They seem to be pretty uh, in Bitcoin's favor. Our boy Brad, <laughs> Brad. I was saying more. Who was the dude from Ohio? Um, he had, he had the representative from Ohio had very good points. He talked about money laundering and how 99.9% of money laundering goes, uh, unprosecuted and is facilitated via the U S dollar. Um, there's some good points made, some bad points made, obviously. Um, shout out to Peter Van Valkenburg, um, from coin center, who was again, taking questions and, Explaining things to the dinosaurs in, in the government. Um, obviously, you had Brad Sherman, who's just a complete derelict. Brad Sherman completely understands Bitcoin. <laughs> yes, he does. He does. He's our boy. But he's a statist. He's, uh, <laughs> he's not like freedom at the end of the day. Were you thinking of Warren Davidson? Warren had great comments, too. Another The other representative from Ohio. Um, here, I'll pull up his name. Real quick. Give me a sec. Brad Sherman completely understands the end game of Bitcoin. He just does it from the status point of view. Anthony, I, res- I respect that he figured this out. Anthony Gonzalez is who I'm talking about. He's, so he's so Warren Davidson's a House of Representatives, right? Yeah, so I guess this is his co-rep, um, Anthony Gonzalez. But there's a lot, right? Like it's Ohio, so what they have like 45 or something. Yeah, what I mean. like 30 or something. Yeah, so uh, America on Fire hearing. I guess that's what they were calling it on crypto happening now. Lots of competing ideology here. Anthony Gonzalez, representative 
of the Republican Party from Ohio pointed out that 99.9% of money laundering done with fiat currencies goes unprosecuted. If you want to ban risk, you also ban reward and you ban innovation. Great quote. Dallas was followed up by Brad Sherman, who has a very different take. We've got to keep pace with China. China is close to banning all cryptocurrencies. They're going to protect their economy, protect their currency, and protect their tax collection system. Fucking Brad Sherman. Got to keep up with China. Hey, freaks. Brad Sherman, representative from California, wants to keep up with China. We used to be the best authoritarians, and now China's just overtaking us. Like, what, what are we doing, freaks? They're beating us at the surveillance, cattle herding, data harvesting game. We, they asked Munger and Buffett about that shit, too. Did you say, oh, Munger, die, die, just die. That's fucked up. You're fucking like 90 years old. Just die. You're fu- I hope he lives very long life. You're done. Just die. You want to keep up with China, too. He should live a very long life and he should watch Bitcoin just take Live a very world. long life and it's time to die. That's so fucked up, bro. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have no sympathy for Charlie Munger. Well, I call them Rat Poison Squared. I don't know what he calls us. <laughs> Charlie. 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 Uh, <sighs> I'm not going to say it. Just die. Just like, just give up. Just give up the reins. It's time. You look terrible. You look like a, an amoeba, a milk bag. You're just saying stupid shit. You're saying, he said that the, he wishes the U.S. politicians had as much power as the Chinese politicians, that they could control. It was in reference to Jack Ma specifically. I mean, he should just talk to you. I mean, Chinese politicians have very little power. They can't even see his minors at the border. Hey. <laughs> We're going to end this podcast. I'm going to climb up the hill. Fuck it. I'm going to die. You have two hills behind you. Charlie, come die with me on this hill. It's time. I love you, Marty. Should we wrap this baby up? Yeah, let's do it. This has been a pleasure, freaks. Thank you for the one shout out from Bitcoin Beach. Thank you guys for joining us in the live chat. Thank you for joining after we've recorded on any local podcasting platform. We love doing this. We love you, freaks. I love you, Matthew. Stay humble, stack sets. Peace and love. All right, we're stopping live.